everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 206. Hooray! 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 I, three voices today. Another hooray! 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 hooray. One of them's not Paul. No. No. Actually, none of them are. Not uh, yet. Paul... <laughs> It'd be quite worrying if only one of them wasn't Paul. <laughs> Paul is two of the voices on the podcast today. Can you guess which yes. ones? <laughs> So Paul is uh, away doing um, real world things, and uh, so today joining Kieran and myself is Ben, the our lovely editor in chief of the website. Ben, how are you doing? I am good, thanks. Good, excellent. So if you have somehow stumbled across us, we are Glitchy Gaming. We are a weekly, or we try to be a weekly podcast <laughs> that focuses on games, uh, be it video games, board games, any other type of games you would play. Chances are we've had a go at them, and uh, we like to tell you what we think about them because we are self-important, like the sound of our own voices. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much it, yeah. So, yeah, let's uh, crack on. But, oh, before we do, actually, I need to tell you, I bought a game. I know that's not ground. It's not groundbreaking news, and I bought a game for the Switch. Again, this is not groundbreaking news. Nothing to be. Oh, okay, really it is. Weird. You've, you've been pretty deep in that Fortnite hole for a while now. <laughs> I have, I have. So I bought a copy of Octopath Traveler. Yay! I bought it at the beginning of this week, and guess what? I haven't touched since <laughs> the beginning of this week. <laughs> Yeah, I I bought it and I haven't played it yet. <laughs> that happens sometimes. But yeah, but speaking of Octopath Traveler, Kieran, you have bought it and you have been playing it. How have you been getting on with it? Uh, I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, I think we talked a bit about it before. Probably it's been several weeks now. So well, not several, but a couple of weeks now. So uh-huh. I can't remember. But um. <laughs> Like Octopath Traveler is kind of an old school JRPG for the Switch made by yep. Square Enix, I believe. Yes. And it's it's interesting. Like the I think the main thing that you kinda notice from all the marketing and stuff from it is like the art style. The main thing is like, hey, they made this big three D world but they used kind of sixteen bit Super Nintendo style sprites for all the characters and for all the textures on the world. So it's got this really cool like almost kind of 2D diorama effect which is really nice uh-huh. and that's just really cool and I really like all the art style stuff of it um, the structure of it is quite interesting as well so there's like 8 characters that you can choose one to start with and each of them have their own individual stories their own paths, hence the name Octopath yes um, and you can travel from like place to place. You pick the one you want to start with, you go through their first chapter of their story, basically, and then that kind of gives you access to the overworld. And then you can start traveling around, meeting the other characters, doing their first chapter of their stories, and adding them to your party. And you have a maximum of four people in your party, but then you can you know recruit everyone else and swap them in now, like you know an old Final Fantasy game, basically. Yeah. And I think most of it is really cool. Like, there's loads of things about it I really love like I think the stories themselves the first chapters are kind of hit or miss some of them are really good some of them are, are a bit lackluster um, I've got to basically I've recruited 7 out of 8 of the characters so far and I'm kind of part way through the first chapter for the 8th one 
Yeah. So basically, I've seen most of all of the first chapters of the stories. Um, and I think most of them are pretty good. Uh, they set up those characters in interesting ways. And each of the characters plays very differently from each other. So it's got a kind of very in-depth job system, kind of similar to like Final Fantasy V or something like that. Yeah. Where characters have, you know, different jobs that they're doing uh, that give them different abilities. So like one's a dancer that gives them different abilities. Uh, there's a hunter who basically... I started with the hunter and she basically has like this whole kind of Pokemon style system as part of her stuff. Right, um, okay. Because basically every character will have, you know, different stuff they can do inside a battle. So, you know, mages will cast spells and healers will cast healing spells and, you know, things like that. Uh, but everyone also has a unique ability they can use outside of battle. Um, well, actually, maybe not unique. I think a couple of them share them, but usually there's like, they'll have one ability they can use outside of battle. Mm-hmm. And the hunter's one is that she can capture uh, monsters in battle that you fight, not humans, unfortunately, because that's maybe asking some odd questions that they just yes. avoid entirely. Yeah. Um, but anything that is a monster that you're fighting, you can capture if you weaken it enough. And then you can either summon them in battles to do attacks, or you can use them outside of battles to start fights with random NPCs. Any NPC you could talk with, you could also start a fight with, and you basically just beat them up with your monsters, which is really weird. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like Pokemon battling if the person that you're battling didn't have Pokemon. <laughs> it, it, it's a really bizarre choice, um, but it's also pretty awesome um right so i'm enjoying her stuff so far um so she's got this whole like pokemon system there's other characters that have uh two of them have the ability to ask people to follow you so basically you can just get an npc to join your party uh yeah effectively brings your party up to five instead of four Mm mm-hmm um which was in the demo they put out a while ago because that's right yeah um, i had that yeah, because you played as the dancer, and that's one of her ability, or that is her ability. Yeah. Um, two of them have the ability to gain information from NPCs, and it's worded differently for both of them. And it's kind of weird because one of them can fail, and the other one can't. Um, like most of these abilities have a chance of failing. If they fail, it lowers your reputation in whatever town you're in, which mm. just means that you need to go and pay money to restore your reputation before you can do any more side missions. Right. Um, like it's not. Yeah, basically. It's not a very major like mechanic and it's kind of weird that it's in there at all, but it's also just, just especially weird that two of the like a lot of the, the characters will share abilities. There's like two that have the ability to get people to follow you and there's two that have the ability to get information from people. But the only instance of these differing is that the two with the ability to get information from people, one of them gets them just by asking and being nice and that has zero percent chance of failing. Like it, it doesn't have a fail state. You can, it just works. You just get information from people. The other guy's is interrogation. Um, and his whole first chapter is this like kind of um Phoenix Wright style, like trying to uh, go around and find evidence to find out who stole a book from a library. And so he's going around interrogating people, and this interrogation has a chance to fail, and it's just bizarre <laughs> this ability is on two characters but works differently on both of them um 
but it's pretty neat. Uh, so I'm enjoying it so far. Um, the one thing that I'm maybe a bit, you know, worried about so far, based on like having played all of the, all of the first chapters except for one of them, is that it doesn't seem like the characters really interact much or at all. And I don't know if that's something that gets better as you get through the game. I would assume that the first chapter is just kind of set up those characters. Yeah, you'd hope so. Because, I mean, everyone has individual, you know, second chapters and presumably third chapters and whatever as well. Like, they have their own unique stories. But I don't know if those stories will then also bring in the characters that you have in your party. Um, I mean, they're there during battles and stuff like that, but they're never referenced during, like, the cutscenes. Um, in the first chapters, at least. So, I'm interested in seeing how that goes, you know, going forward. Uh, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, the combat's also really good. It's this kind of uh, old-school Final Fantasy uh, battle system, turn-based. Yeah. Um, it's got this really cool mechanic where enemies have weaknesses kind of similar to something like the Persona games. And if you hit them with their weaknesses enough times, they, you will break them which just means they can't attack for a turn and it pushes them back. Like the top of the screen has like this turn order so you can see who's going to go next and it mm. has a divider showing like when the turns actually change. So it'd be like in this turn, you know, you have your four party members and then also whatever enemies you're fighting. And if you break them, it'll knock them back into the next turn yeah. and right, right to the end of the queue of it as well. Kind of the same as the Battletech's one. Yes, actually it is quite similar to the Battletech thing. Um, Oh man, I played Battletech as well. I didn't put it on yeah, the list. Yeah, so did I. So did I. Man, Battletech's so good. I only uh, noticed that, that <laughs> turn order thing the other day when I was playing it. been playing it for weeks and hadn't noticed the, <laughs> the turn order stuff. Oh, it's pretty handy. Um, but yeah, like I, I really like Octopath's um, battle system. It's cool. Uh, it's pretty simple, but it's, you know it does the job. And you can do some cool stuff by mixing together different party members with different jobs. So... I'm looking forward to seeing how it gets... I assume it's going to get more elaborate as it goes. Like I said, I'm still doing the first chapters for each of the characters. So, I presume it gets a bit more elaborate as you go on. Otherwise, it'd be a bit... I don't know. Playing, playing like 100 hours of this same combat might get a bit dull. Right, but, yeah. But to start with, is at least fun. It, it sounds like something that I would really enjoy if I had a Switch. You should get a Switch. I should get a switch. Um, it's on the Christmas list. That's we were we were up at a, a friend's house last weekend. Um, Tom, who's come along board gaming with us, Mike. Right. And um, the the kids were all playing Mario Kart. I think it was on, it was not either on the Wii U or the Switch. And we had to leave and go home. And my youngest, as we were going out the door, she said, "Daddy, can Mike come round?" <laughs> obviously hoping you bring your switch in mario kart again. right <laughs> that's pretty good yeah so normally when i when we go and visit ben if i've got the switch until the the kids go to bed i don't see any adults because my job is to <laughs> sit and play mario kart that's pretty good Oh, that sounds like a terrible job, though. I mean, it is. Yeah, it's, I, everyone uh, knows you don't like yeah. Mario Kart at all. It's... Yeah, I, I mean, he didn't. He didn't actually get to play last time. <laughs> uh no, I don't think I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just there to settle disputes. I think sometimes. Yeah. He was. Like he a, was offering. Like a he was offering to help my youngest, who's only four, 
but she was actually i think she was actually beating everyone else was she not uh yeah so when when we first started playing it when i first started taking it around she needed help but she's sussed it now she doesn't she doesn't need help oh that's pretty good and she can beat them uh <laughs> com comfortably yeah good so yeah i, I think it's on the christmas list this year excellent that's good yeah makes sense it's a good system i'm still really liking my switch it hasn't suddenly you know got disappointing or something it's, mm. it's still just a really good portable land console system yeah um but yeah uh octopath traveler's good i'll probably be you know chiming in about that forever because it's a jrpg and i never finish those um <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but i peck at them every now and again um uh ben you've been playing some bus simulator 18 the other great jrpg of our generation <laughs> don't know about jrpg but it's uh, it's it's a pretty decent simulator um, it's one of the Astragon games, so Astragon of all the simulator game thing. All right. Every kind of simulator you can think of. Yeah, they definitely found a niche. Yeah. Um, this one was built on Unreal Engine, though, so it's a bit of a upgrade and a step forward graphically for them. That's cool. Uh, it does look pretty neat. I mean, the map's not huge, and you have to work at kind of unlocking areas as well to go around so you're not just you're not just driving the buses you're kind of running a whole bus company and mm. setting up setting up routes and driving them earning enough money to buy additional buses and hire other people to drive those routes while you make new ones and there's a bit there's a whole campaign of going through and raising your company's prestige and unlocking more parts of the city to service um Controls very well. Just whether I, you know, I've been playing it with a, a controller. I don't have a steering wheel, unfortunately. I was going to say, have you, have you got like a full setup? I guess not. No, no. I would, I would need full setups for everything. I don't have enough space for that. I would need a steering wheel setup. I'd need a whole task setup. I'd need my own custom switches for playing Kerbal Space Program. <laughs> it would get ridiculous. Oh man, Kerbal Space Program. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I can, certainly got no complaints about Bus Simulator. Uh, the multiplayer is pretty good. You can kind of jump in and play along with other people's companies if they've got a spare bus for you to drive. Uh, if they don't, you can hop on the bus with them and check people's tickets. Uh, I did find a, a bit of a bug the other day when I was playing that, uh, and I was playing with someone who was streaming. And watching their stream and i noticed that my character was running around backwards all over the place <laughs> that's so. pretty good i like to yeah. back when i first played uh planescape torment for the first time i installed one of the hd mods to because it's you know one of those old infinity engine rpgs for pc that had that had maximum resolutions of like 800 by 600 or something stupid like that so I like installed a mod that let you increase the resolution for everything, but I fucked something up because part of it was like you have to go in and manually change something, yeah. and I clearly fucked it up. So <laughs> all of the characters animated with their sprites backwards. So just every time anyone ran anywhere or moved anywhere, they were all just going, they were just moonwalking everywhere, and yeah. 
I played through most of the game that way, so. <laughs> um, does the, uh, you mentioned mods. It's quite a good thing to mention because obviously there's been quite a few Unreal games coming out recently that support mod support. Um, and bus simulator is one of those as well so people are putting in like different buses but it's mostly been like you can put advertising on the buses so people have basically created every company they know of as yeah. an advertisement possibility for your for your bus company that's pretty neat um, decal editing basically but for the sides of buses yeah yeah I think people have made new maps as well, but I think there's been a bit of issue of actually getting those published and available. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I always quite like when these simulator games end up being good, because a lot of them are now, but there's definitely a while there where it was like, you know, you, you have to check first. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... I'm not going to say it's on par with, like, Euro Truck Simulator. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's pretty close. That's cool. Mm. And it's, it's, yeah, it's like kind of nice, easy fun of just kind of sitting there and turning off and yeah. driving a bus for a while and getting angry at the traffic. Which is, yeah, there's a horn button, thankfully. <laughs> does the traffic respond to it? I'm pretty sure it does if you keep honking long enough while someone's turning. They yeah. eventually, yeah. they, they I mean, kind of, they if go. Nothing else, if you're playing it multiplayer. You would hope people would respond to it. Oh yeah, yeah. Like other drivers would, would hopefully, especially considering they're supposed to be working for you or you or you for them. Yeah, the traffic uh, the traffic can be bad, but the potholes are worse actually. Potholes really? that are potholes that are a thing in that game, and they're all over the place, and you get marked down for running through them. Uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping at some point you can start pumping money back into the local council to get them fixed. <laughs> Are bribing council officials to specifically get the ones <laughs> yeah. on your route fixed. Yeah. But rival bus company, no, they 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 have more potholes now. Yeah. That'd be pretty neat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh Mike, tell us about Fortnite. Come on, man. Loads of Fortnite. So I have uh I think I can't remember the last time we spoke if we mentioned that both of us I know we were talking about spending the eight pounds for the season <laughs> pass. Yeah. So I can't remember if we had actually done it or if I think I bought it right after the podcast. Yeah, is I it, think so, yeah. So Is it just put it into a new season, is it? Uh well as we bought as we were talking about it, season four was finishing up and season five had just begun. Yeah, it was like the was it a couple of weeks into July? Uh, yes, yeah. So I bought it probably the same time as you, Kieran, and just ready for just after. I think it was two days after season five started up. Mm -hmm. So I've got you've got the full run of it, and I thought, right, I'll put into practice what we said in the podcast. See if it is actually feasible to pay the money once and play continuously and get enough in-game credits so that you can fund the next season when it comes in. Yeah. It's easily achievable. Oh, really? Yeah, I currently have... I think I have 550 space bucks. 
um, and it's 950 space bucks for a season and I'm on level 30 34 I think 34 to 35 in terms of the it's not the level it's the a challenge level or a cheat yeah, but it's the... basically where you unlock all the stuff yeah and I I just need to get to level 51 and that that will be me and I'll have my 950 units uh, credits that I need to nice. get through so it's doable yeah absolutely uh there is a couple of the characters that i want to unlock as well and they're unlockable there's one i think it's 70 60 or 70 and it's kind of like a she's a, a lifeguard that one looks quite cool then there's the basically looks like bear not Bear Grylls. He looks like a, a survival type guy. He's got a beard and a hat and camel jacket and stuff. Mm -hmm. He looks quite cool. Then after that, there's the secret agent woman. She looks like she works in an office. Yeah. She's kind of dressed up that way. And then it's the Viking. The Viking's unlocked at level 100. So there's enough to keep me going to play and unlock to 100. Whether I do or not, it's a different story, I think. <laughs> um, uh, but I've been having a lot of fun. I've been playing... I like the challenges that it comes up. So it'll tell you, you know, week three's challenge is to get as many kills or get three kills in the haunted, you know, the little graveyard area. Or, and every week there's get so many kills in a certain area. And I quite like doing that. And then I like going out and it says search for treasure chests within a different area. And there's a different area every week. And I like going out and doing that. And then... After I've done that, I'll see, right, okay, let's see if I can actually try and how far I can get. Been getting getting a little bit better at the killing of it, you know, the, the kill, killing people. Um, yes, yeah. Because I, I think the reason is because the map is so big. Yeah. Uh, so I find the surviving bit is easy. I can get all the way till there's like five yeah. of us left. The minute I pop my stupid head around the corner, that's it, it gets picked off. But somebody can run straight for me. They can, if they stand still, I can get them. I can kill them. That's no problem. But see if they're running towards me. That's it. I'm knackered. Yeah. Or, I, but I've been getting better at it. Uh, so my kills have been getting better. I think because I've been playing more. And last night I actually won a game. Yay! Nice. So that was quite. That was quite cool. I was uh, quite chuffed with that. So what had happened was I'd went to one of the areas I had to search treasure, treasure chests, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And I found three chests in the area and the rest of them had been pilfered. So I thought, bugger this, I'll run along. And I was running to one of the areas, I think it was Tilted Towers. Mm -hmm. And running to there and I seen somebody running in front of me. Because what I tend to do is I'll run and I'll hide in the cover of trees and things, and I'll just have a look and see if I can see anyone around. And I seen somebody run in front of me, so I followed him, and uh, I took two shots at him, and one of them hit, the other one whizzed past him, so I wasn't able to kill him, but he then knew I was there. So he took shots at me, and he took me down to 20 health left, and I ran... So I ran away and hid around a corner and waited and he followed me. And I was able to shoot him with the shotgun that I had, kill him, 
that's fine. But there was another guy behind him who was following all the commotion. So he runs into my shotgun as well. And I thought, this is great. And I'd, uh, I'd picked up uh, the sticky grenades. What do they call them? Clangers or clingers? Oh, it's I a, Something like that. Yeah, I think they call them clingers, yeah. yeah. So, clingers make more sense. So yeah. They're and it's the... <laughs> there's the challenges where you you get stars if you you need three kills by explosive weapons yeah and i needed one more i thought right i'll try i'll play around with this bit for a bit so i'll be basically hid in a corner and i'd back myself into a corner where uh the there was a big staircase and the only way someone could get to me was coming down the staircase because behind me was a big wall and behind or next to that was the storm the the eye of the storm had already blocked that piece off mm -hmm. so i was there that was fine and nobody was coming but i could hear all the the commotion around me the eye of the storm closed it got bit, uh, smaller and smaller and i was able to build a just a, a set of stairs up onto the mountain on top and where i still had a bird's eye view of everything that was going on in the town in tilted towers and I could see somebody running around, and it was a long shot. And I took a, a clinger and I threw it, and it blew up one of his stairs. And that was, but he was oblivious. He his stair disappeared, and he didn't even turn around or see. And the last one, I thought, right, if I just, you know, adjust my trajectory a, t a little bit, and hail Mary, pray to God, I might <laughs> hit him. And I hit him right in the head with this clinger and it's stuck on his head <laughs> and you, you can see him running up and down the stairs and he just explodes that's great <laughs> so and at that point as well so the way that the end of the game uh, triggers in Fortnite is once you get down to the you know the final two and the the eye of the storm gets as small as it can get what it then does is it actually moves so the the eye of the storm moves to another bit and you basically need to move with it as it moves otherwise you get caught in the storm and it drains your health mm -hmm. and I'd figured this from the one of the other times that I played and came second was that if you can outlast the other person well you don't need to hunt them down and kill them it's just basically playing smart stay away from yeah. them Yeah. Um, so luckily where I was and where the, the, the game decided that I was going to be I was I was able to move with it as it slowly moved. The other guy was not as fortunate because I don't think he I think he was stuck, you know, um, couldn't get out over the elevator, and yeah. he died within seconds of the eye of the storm starting to move. And then that was it. I won, and I I killed two people, so I was happy with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's just. I like all the different t challenges, so I probably um I might not be playing it for the same reason everyone else does. Uh, and I find it quite relaxing of a night, just to say I'm going on Fortnite for a little bit, and I'm going to see how many uh, of the, the challenge levels I can get up. Yeah. Um, and do a couple of challenges. Most of the daily challenges are worth five stars. Once you get ten stars, you go up a level and it unlocks something. Uh, yeah, it's quite good. Kieran, have you played any more of it at all? Not much more, just a couple of matches here and there. Um, I need to sit and just, you know, have an evening of playing a bunch of Fortnite, I think. 
Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, my I really like the, how the challenges stuff work. Um, that whole battle pass stuff is smart. It's uh, yes, like like you said, it gives you a bunch more kind of challenges to kind of aim for. It feels like what achievements try to aim for in you know on the Xbox and the PlayStation yes. Four stuff. But yeah, I don't really care about achievements just because yeah. you don't get anything from them, and I don't really care about my gamer score going up or my trophy count going up or any of that bullshit. Exactly. So, yes. Oh, I, I used to. I never did. Like I know people. I know everyone got super into it when it was first, you know, yeah, a yeah. thing. I was just like, yeah, whatever. Um, I've only ever got like all the trophies in games that I was, you know, playing everything, doing everything in anyway because I enjoyed the game so much. Uh huh. Um, yeah. and this, I feel like this is a better way of handling <laughs> that stuff because it's, it's a lot of you know, here's basically an achievement, but it changes every day or every week or whatever tier it is and they because they change like that they don't just you know it's not just a case of you unlock it and then you never think about it again because there's going to be new ones and everyone's got the same ones if they're doing the battle pass and so everyone will be like oh well I need to look for treasure chests in this area so you're more likely to encounter people when going off to just look at look for treasure chests in a certain area and uh-huh. it, it kind of helps push people to certain parts of the map or to do certain things like if there's there's usually one that's like oh f- you know follow the treasure map from whatever section of the map and that kind of stuff is just like okay well you're gonna get a bunch of people dropping on that part of the map then to try mm. and follow the treasure map yeah everyone gets the same task yeah, yeah exactly yeah which is smart. Yeah, uh, it, it's it sounds like a nice wee kind of addition thing, and like Mike described, Fortnite as being fun and going on it to chill out. Yeah, and I I I tried Fortnite once or twice on the PS4, but I mainly play PUBG instead. Right, and I would not define it as relaxing fun. <laughs> I like my heart rate goes 100 miles an hour when I'm playing PUBG and I'm on complete edge the entire time. I think part of it will kind of depend on uh, the kind of player you are. Like, I I don't know about Mike, but I'm not like a super competitive person. So I'm kind of the same where I'm like, when I play Fortnite, I don't. And I don't get super on edge about it because I don't. Yeah. I don't care that much. Like if I die, then whatever, I'll just start a new game. Like yeah. the, the matchmaking's uh-huh. so quick that I don't really, you know, I'm not losing yeah, anything. Like, like I'm not bothered about getting the most kills or winning, but I just don't want to die. Yeah. Like I get, I just get that. Yeah, I feeling when I'm playing. I'm just like, I don't want to die. I I kind of get that, but sometimes I'll get to a point where, if I'm going to. You know, whenever they start the challenges in the new week and it's the challenge of get the most kills in a certain area, it is, it's just basically a free-for-all. You go in there and, you know, everyone else is chaos. aiming for there. Yeah, and yeah. it's chaos. It's find a gun as quickly as can. And it is, it's a bit, it, it's exciting and that bit is a little bit stressful. But see, once I've got one kill, then if somebody pops me off, I'm not too bothered. Or I find myself sometimes where I'll get all the kills that I'll need. And if there's still somebody there, I'll just stand still and dance and make a noise <laughs> so, he can, so he can see me and get the kill. That's pretty good. Um, and the reason I'd done that was because somebody had done that to me. Um, yeah. I was in one of the areas I was sneaking along and I came down. He was coming down a set of stairs and I was coming up the way. 
and he seen me first and shot me in the head but he um and took me right down to the bare bones of my health one more shot i would have been dead and he stands still he doesn't move and i thought what's going on and i kind of moved around him and he didn't move he just so i took my gun and shot him in the head and re- <laughs> <laughs> but realized what he was you know what he was doing he must have shot me on instinct yeah and then re- and realized he didn't need any more kills so i thought that was pretty cool um there's been a couple of times where so for the birthday celebrations as well what they've had is they've got these birthday cakes all around the map and the you find them and you do a dance around them and once you do a dance around all 10 of them you unlock it's one of the things you have to do there's three different things you have to do in relation to the birthday celebration and the the prize that you unlock is a backpack that's shaped like a birthday cake with a big number one on it and a knife sticking in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I landed in one of the areas and there was a guy next, uh, landed the same time as me and we did the dance around the cake and then just ended up spending like five minutes doing all different dances at each other. That's pretty awesome. And then the minute I moved away from the cake, he shot me in the back, and I thought that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's reasonable. I turned my back on him. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I don't get too stressed about it at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, very good. Still enjoying it. Um, and yeah, if you quite fancy doing the one of the seasons i do suggest doing it at the beginning and yeah if you stick at it you would be you will get your money back and yeah. that's and the way i look at it you at least get yeah. some cool stuff yeah that's the way so that I, I view it is that the main reason i bought the the battle pass at all even though i knew i probably wouldn't play enough of it to unlock tons of the stuff is that uh-huh. i just really liked that the female viking outfit you get for buying the battle pass Yes. And so yeah. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to get at least this this outfit that I know I like. And if I get anything else, that's just a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of looked at it that way. And then I thought, well, if I play enough of it, then whether I want to play ne- automatically uh, get the next battle pass or wait and get the next season after that. Yeah. I've got I've got a free a free season. Basically. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And if you get so, next season, then you can, you know play enough to unlock the one after yeah exactly uh i don't know whether i'll I, i'm waiting for the shine to wear off it's gonna happen <laughs> at one point <laughs> but yeah it's enjoyable while it's as lasting so far but kieran you have been playing all sorts of things uh final fantasy 15 i believe you have finished it yeah after no saying earlier in the podcast that i'd you know, didn't finish JRPGs. I finished <laughs> yes. the JRPG that I bought. What that game's what a year and a half old, two years. Uh, yeah, I've, I've not finished it yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> neither, neither have I. So I, yeah, I won't spoil anything about it. Um, I so I got on the like Amazon Prime sales that happened recently. I got a 4K TV and a PlayStation nice. 4 Pro. Yes. So oh. I because both were on sale with pretty hefty discounts, and I was like, okay, great. Finally, I can buy these things I've been wanting to buy for a while. And my PS4 sounds like it's going to explode at any second. So, might as well get rid of it. So, I've jumped back into a bunch of games that I, you know, thought... A bunch of games that had PlayStation 4 Pro updates, basically. To see how they looked in 4K or with HDR and whatever. 
And Final Fantasy XV was the one that I jumped into and realised I was actually only maybe like five or six hours from the end. So I just sat and finished it. And hey, cool. I ended up really enjoying that game. Um, it's a weird unfinished mess of a game that <laughs> you can see every seam of where they cut content from that game to finally ship it after decades of development but also the what they shipped kind of works like it is like it feels good the story doesn't really you know it's not super elaborate and it kind of rushes towards the end but like i really like the characters you know noctis and this whole boy band of <laughs> you know his traveling uh boy band that yeah. you know are going off and that's on tour yeah basically they're all likable characters um i didn't buy the dlc though and so there's some stuff in there that apparently gets explained in the dlc that i i don't know like it's and it's really really obvious stuff like um this is a very minor spoiler guys uh-huh at one point, Ignis shows up blind, just after, like, there's, like, a short, you know, you do some stuff, and there's, like, a cutscene, and then it's, like, a short time passes, and then Ignis is just blind. And you're like, why? Yeah. And it's never explained, and apparently DLC explains. <laughs> but there's a part of DLC that yeah. explains why he's blind, and instead the game's just like, I don't know, he's blind now. And it's like, why? <laughs> what? You can't just not have that <laughs> in the story. That's a bit strange. It's weird, and it feels like it was content that was meant to be there and didn't ship, and then they eventually were like, I don't know, we charge money for this, I guess. That kind of feels like me watching uh, Infinity War before watching Ragnarok. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Literally that. It'd be like if Thor Ragnarok didn't come out and you went into... Yeah, you went into uh, Infinity War and you're like, why does Thor look like that? And you're like, I don't know. He does. (laughs) Don't ask questions. Um, but overall, I really liked it. Uh, the story doesn't again doesn't really go anywhere, but like the the spectacle of the whole thing is really cool. Um, you get some really cool summons throughout that game, even though it never explains how the summoning actually works. And I mean, like on a mechanical standpoint, not on like a dumb lore standpoint. Like I mean, it's I had to look up on Reddit how summoning works in that game, and it's stuff like oh. If a fight goes on for a certain amount of time, you will have X percentage chance of being able to summon Y God. And it's like, okay. Uh, Weird. Right. Or... Oh, that, yeah, like I'm, I'm nowhere near any of that stuff. Cause... Yeah, but, but you get summons like every other Final Fantasy game. And, yeah. and they never, they don't explain, or if they did, maybe, you know, I just, well, they, they definitely didn't explain because I got at least one yeah. of those towards the end. Most of them you get pretty early on. Um, but I got at least one towards the end that doesn't explain how you summon them and it's like well <laughs> what is this um, <laughs> it's weird and there's like a there's a, a few sections after you get to about I'd say maybe two thirds of the way through that game it just becomes linear like it's just point to point they kind of ditch the open world aspect of it and they warn you beforehand they go hey this is the point of no return and I was like that can't be right because this is like chapter eight, and I know that there's at least fifteen chapters in this game. Like, can that? That's not right. But it is. It's super linear, and it's like it feels very much like at some point they intended this whole thing to be this massive open world, 
And then at some it, point they were like, nah, we can't get that done in time, so we're going to make this last section linear and you can't access it from the open world because there'd be too much work. We'd have to make all the lands in between these points. So uh, what you're saying is, I will never make it past chapter 8. Because uh, I will just go back into that open world and never continue with the story. It's definitely possible, yeah. I say, I would say honestly, if you hit the level cap, uh, not level cap, but the level that it suggests for, when it gets the pop-up saying, hey, this is the point of no return, once you hit the level that it suggests... Just go through the end of the game. It d- it dumps you back into the open world afterwards. But right. just go through it and just do the story. Because the story's good and those sections are really good. Um, It's just a weird game. It's that thing where it's like, man, they spent... This is a game that was announced before before the PS3 came out. Yes. You know? And only finally came out like a year and a half ago. Or two years ago. Yeah. And it's like... <laughs> And that wasn't enough time to finish it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's bizarre. Um but it looks very nice in 4K. The HDR is very nice. Um it's part of the reason I stuck with it was just because it looked so pretty. I was like, alright, cool. I'm gonna go through the rest of this, I guess. Um But yeah. Um I also jumped into I'll just briefly mention it because it's not on our list of games here, but um, a couple of the other things I jumped into just to see how they look with PS4 Pro and 4K and stuff like that. Um, as you would kind of expect, The Witcher 3 looks really fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. GT Sport, of course. Oh. Yeah. Looks crazy good. Yeah, uh, yeah wipe, it does. Wipeout HD or Wipeout Omega, whatever they called the PS4 version of it. Um, yeah. As you, again, as you would expect, um, looks stunning. Um so yeah, I'm happy with those purchases. Um, and if nothing else, I think the the tech is in such a place that if you buy 4K TV, stuff that runs at 1080p scales up pretty well. So, yeah. Yeah, so even just regular games are looking real nice on that TV. So I'm quite happy with it. Cool. Yeah. Um, to be happy with things, Ben, how happy are you with Dinosaurs? Oh, I love dinosaurs. Love dinosaurs. Great. All right, yeah. let's move on then. Uh, dinosaurs are great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're what you're alluding to is Jurassic Park World, though. Yes, Jurassic Park uh, World, the uh, the movie, the game, the city builder, the whatever. <laughs> the the Jeff Goldblum vehicle. Whatever is <laughs> the the best option there no because well it's a it's supposed to be a park sim yeah frontier who did all the best roller coaster tycoons yeah and then who did the better than roller coaster tycoon game that came out a couple of years ago uh when roller Pla- coaster tycoon came out. yes yeah um i was really excited about this game when they announced it because i haven't played Planet Coaster, but I watched a lot of Planet Coaster. Yeah. Um, and I really yeah, love the idea of it. We got reviews uh, for Planet Coaster and Roller Coaster Tycoon World at the, at the same time because they pretty much came out at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I covered Roller Coaster Tycoon World and I gave Planet Coaster to Ian McCracken. And he loved Planet Coaster. Mm-hmm. And I was not at all impressed with Roller Coaster Tycoon World. So when Jurassic Park World came up, I was just like, well, I'm taking that one. 
<laughs> because this should be good. And it's not. Uh, it's, oh. it's, it's good to begin with. Because you're like, I'm making dinosaurs and this is fucking great. And then, like, five hours later, you're like, oh, I'm still making dinosaurs and so good. This, the whole the whole dinosaur mechanic is great because you're sending off teams to dig up fossils and they bring back bring back the fossils and you're extracting DNA to get so much percentage of a of a chromosome that you can then start genetically producing these dinosaurs. Um, and that's it's kind of like a tech tech tree. Mm-hmm. There is also there is also a tech tree for other stuff as well, but um. Yeah, the dinosaur stuff's a tech tree, and you can start playing with the genomes once you've got enough, and you can start making not purebred dinosaurs by <laughs> making them different colors or have resistances to different diseases or more aggressive or more defensive and stuff like that. Um, That's pretty cool. Or a cool but, concept, I guess. Yeah, but but the whole thing is that it, it's, a, it's a theme park game. You're building this park yeah. for the dinosaurs. And... Wait for the dinosaurs. Well, it's a dinosaur well, it <laughs> theme park for it dinosaurs. Is. No, it is. That's <laughs> the thing. It's for the dinosaurs. The people that come, you don't really care about them. Okay. You don't really care. That's your food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can totally treat your park like that, oh. and you'll probably get less people turning up. But um, no, so you can't like on many kind of theme park games, click on one of the guests and see what they want to do, mm-hmm. see what they want to see or whether they need the toilet. In fact, forget the toilets. There's no toilets. You don't need to, you don't need to worry about toilets or benches or plants what? or any of that sort of shit. If you've, if you've got a clothes shop and a gift store and a toy shop and a bowling alley, they're fucking happy. I was going to say, can you, <laughs> can you build sunglasses stands? Because no. when I played uh, Dinosaur Island, the board game with Mike, my primary investment plan was to build as many sunglasses stands as I yes. could. It didn't work. I lost that game pretty badly. But, you know, yeah, if you no, need the sunglasses, I had them. There's maybe 10 different visitor attractions that you can build. And it's just like restaurant, gift shop, bowling alley, clothes shop toy shop bowling alley yeah why would you go to a fucking dinosaur park to bowl exactly you can build a hotel as well that makes more sense it's just a hotel and it just means that more people can come to your park at a time Uh, you can build a monorail to help people get around the park but yeah (laughs) it's all it's, it's all about researching and uh, creating the dinosaurs, housing them, and looking after them. Most importantly, like making sure they're fed and watered and have enough space, and they're not getting chased by a velociraptor. And mm. um, or occasionally, uh, you do get missions that are like breed a Dilophosaurus and a velociraptor and let them go at it, and um, which are fun. But then, usually, one of them breaks out and starts eating everybody. That's fine. So it yeah, it becomes more of a kind of disaster simulator management game than. Do you feel that's at least in line like, with yeah. The, the? Yeah, I suppose the, it the is. Source material. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose I feel... in that respect, yeah, you can't really complain. But 
Yeah. I feel like to, be faithful, to be faithful to the source material, I feel like the, the end point of that game, every game should end with the dinosaurs killing everyone. Like, it should end with you needing yeah. to less organize how good your park is and more organize how good your evacuation protocols are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there there are there are definitely uh, emergency shelters that you build around your park that you open when dinosaurs escape. That's pretty good. So yeah, I suppose if you if you take it in that faith, then yeah, I guess it is probably more akin to the films. Mm-hmm. But when you see that game, you're expecting a park sim. Yeah, especially when you, you know you the the people that made it. Yeah. Exactly. Their, their history yeah. anyway I've I've said enough about it on the website as well we put up a review because um, I think with, with the last po- podcast I was hoping to come on and talk about it and I hadn't put the review up but I have since posted the review on the site so go over to the website and check out the review for that. cool, cool. Um, talking of dinosaurs yes I'm, I'm going to go back to Kieran, because mm-hmm. uh, you've been exploring No Man's Sky. And oh, there's, lots of, there's lots of kind of dinosaur type things that you can find in that. There are um, a lot, and also weird flying squid monsters and things like that. Oh, that's yeah. Okay, back to Jurassic Park world. No <laughs> flying, di- no flying dinosaurs at all. No flying dinosaurs. I guess no oh. flying dinosaurs. No flying dinosaurs. No. I guess it'd be somewhat difficult to to. And you should find a way, though. Yes, it's kind of important. Yeah, because nature always finds a way. Exactly. Exactly. Jeff Goldblum's in it, isn't he? he yes, he, he is. He does a lot of voiceover. And is, is it good voice act, voiceover, or does it sound like someone met him in a pub and was like, "By the way, can you record this stuff for our game?" And he was like, yeah. "I'm Jeff Goldblum. I'm a nice guy. Of course I will." Yeah, the latter. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of worried about that, but that's fair. Some of it, some of it sounds alright, but then other parts, he's very obviously reading a script, or yeah. you know, it's the first, it's the first take, and it really wasn't probably going to be the best one. Sounds like they kind of rushed it a bit. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other voice actors in there as well, but not uh, what's his name, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, yeah. And the wifey from the latest films. Oh. Neither of them are. Right, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes. I need to watch those films. Do I need to watch these films? Are those films good? I've not watched the latest one. Yeah, I've not uh, watched the latest one. I've not watched either of the Chris Pratt ones. The latest one is better than it has any right to be because <laughs> it's a decent director, but the story's not that good. And yeah, leave, kind of leave it at that. Okay. Uh, the Jurassic World, I thought was really good. Really enjoyed it. All right. I might go back and watch that one then. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed Jurassic World, but yeah, yeah I've not watched the latest one. Cool. Um, but yeah, No Man's Sky. Yeah, dinosaurs in space. Dinosaurs in space, man. Actually, you could totally play as a dinosaur-ish creature now if you wanted to, because they added yeah. character customization. Yeah. Um, so a big update came out for No Man's Sky called No Man's Sky Next, and it kind of coincided <laughs> with the Xbox One release of the game, and. Not 100% sure what this update specifically adds. Um, like, I played a bunch of No Man's Sky at launch. I really liked it. Uh, Mike really liked it as well, I believe. Yes. And yep. 
then kind of fell off of it because as much as I really liked it, there's only so many times you can go and explore planets and mine minerals and then go to another planet and explore it and mine minerals. And do the same thing, yeah. Yeah. So they did a few big updates since launch that have added a bunch of stuff and so I'm not specifically sure what stuff is in this one. I know the multiplayer is in this and the they added third person camera and character customization. I'm not sure how much of the overall kind of structure of the game is new and how much has just been basically improved since the previous updates. But they have improved that game a lot since launch. And even though, again, I already liked it at launch, they've definitely made it a much better game. But have right. they not just made it the game that everyone expected it to be? Uh, maybe. Uh, it's that weird thing where people had very, you know overhyped uh, you know beliefs of the, what that game was going to be yeah um, so yeah they definitely added a bunch of stuff that is made it closer to what people thought it was going to be mm. rather than the right. kind of space survival game that they build it as yeah um, but the multiplayer was a big thing yeah but again the multiplayer was something they yeah they yeah. were always very cagey about the multiplayer before yeah, release because it was, it was clear never it wasn't. It was never, yeah, exactly. Um, and I've only played the, I've only messed with the multiplayer a little bit. Um, the main stuff I've been doing is so they added multiple, they added way more quest stuff, like a bit more actual structure to it, basically. Because mm. at launch, all you could really do was there was the main quest line, which was really just leading you towards the center of the galaxy. Yes. And you go to the center of the galaxy and then stuff happened and that was kind of... Um, How long did it take to get to the center of the galaxy? Uh, it depended on a bunch of stuff. You could get stuff that made it faster the further you went in. You could find black holes that let you skip large sections or you could just go really slowly. Um, but not that long. Um, I want to yeah, say... I believe you could power through it. Yeah, I want to say my Hours? save... Yeah, like I stopped playing... I looked at so my old save is still there. I started a new game for this one, and my old save was about twenty five hours, and I stopped playing basically once I hit the center of the galaxy. So probably about twenty five hours or so. Um, right. Okay. But I took my time and explored some extra stuff. Um, now there's multiple. You can still do that. That's still like one of the main quest lines you can do basically, uh, or you can do this new kind of story path they've added uh, that is a bit more tutorially to start with. So it'll introduce you to the base building stuff. It'll introduce you into the mechanics of trading and selling stuff and things like that to kind of encourage you to do more stuff um you can get giant capital ships now uh these giant freighters that can carry away more cargo and you can send smaller ships off on uh, little smaller side missions to get more materials and things like that for you so it's kind of like uh remember in uh, in like Assassin's Creed Black Flag you could build up like your armada of ships and send your ships off to do yeah. other side stuff yeah. when you weren't playing or when or even when you were app. playing yeah this one doesn't have a mobile app but it's a similar kind of thing um, and then when you get more money you can buy more frigates that you can you know add to your space armada and then send them to go off and do more missions and that's all cool I've not really messed with that too much it's there and I like that it's there um, mm. They added base building somewhere a while ago. Um, that was like one of the first updates. But when they added this freighter stuff, they also added base building on the freighters. So you can kind of customize the inside of your freighters by adding new rooms and building stuff inside the rooms. 
and you know adding stairs to go between different floors and things like that like you can just customize it like a surprising amount um and that's all really cool i'm really liking that stuff i've got way more into the base building than i expected to because that's not the thing i cared about from no man's sky at launch the thing i enjoyed uh-huh. about it was you know exploring all these weird alien planets and scanning everything and that's still a big part of the game but they've added you can build like teleporters now which is kind of the most handy thing so you can build your base and you can teleport to and from it from space stations and like launch pretty much almost every single system you warp to will have a space station in it so you'll be able to warp from there back to your base no matter how far away from your base you are and then once you've done whatever base stuff you want to do back to this far away point so it kind of lets you balance that exploration stuff while still having a kind of permanent base but then again you can also build all that base stuff inside your freighters now so if you don't want to build a base on a planet you build it on your giant spaceship and then you don't need to care about you know warping to and or teleporting to and from this one specific place because you can just bring your base to you because it's inside a giant spaceship yeah um which is really cool and um They've changed the whole kind of tech tree stuff of it, so building different components to upgrade your exosuit and your ship and your gun and stuff like that uh, all require different minerals and elements than it did before. And all the base building is added in like refineries to let you refine some elements into better elements, which again you'll be using to upgrade stuff or to build newer additions onto your base that lets you like you can build farms which can then automatically generate stuff for you and things like that and so it's all just really like a lot of that stuff stuff that's in most kind of survival games at this point but it's it's still like really fun it's really well implemented um the base building stuff like it all just clicks together real well in a way that i didn't really expect sounds like it's gone a lot more closer to space engineers um yeah i've not really played space engineer so yeah i'm not too sure um they but yeah they added the main kind of one of the main big things they added in this one of course was multiplayer and uh with it a uh, third person camera view and character customization because if you're playing multiplayer you need to be able to not look the same as every single person yeah and all of the stuff for the character customization seems to just be the components they use to randomly generate all of the NPCs in space stations. So you can play as various different aliens, you can change their armor in different ways, and you can color all of it. Um, so you can end up with like some pretty cool looking different, you know, dudes. And if you pre-ordered it in Xbox, you've got this really dumb looking helmet that just has like the Xbox logo on it. It's like a big green X. And it's, <laughs> nice. kind, it's kind of terrible and I kind of love it. <laughs> um, it, but I didn't buy it on Xbox, so I'm. I was just gonna say, are you playing on Xbox? No, no, I'm playing on PS4 because I already owned yeah. it there. Um, but my character is uh, I, I've got like a big purple suit of a, you know spacesuit kind of thing, a big bulky spacesuit on. But my helmet that I chose looks like a big smiley face, which I'm pretty happy with because it looks pretty terrifying and it's great. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, the only multiplayer stuff that I've really messed with so far on it is um, I jumped into Tom's game. Uh, Tom of Calm Down Tom of Anna Undreaming. Uh, you know, <laughs> of you know, our professional writer friend. Yeah. Um, and he was actually just finishing up playing. 
but I jumped in the multiplayer and just managed to find him as he was like about to log out. Uh, landed on the planet next to him and then just sat in front of his ship and he came out and sat on the ground with me for a bit and then that was it. <laughs> Disconnected. <laughs> um, so you've just sent us a picture of your helmet. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fucking terrifying. <laughs> it's great. I love it so yeah. much. Um, it's, it's not quite Big Daddy, but it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it looks more like a Doctor Who villain than a, yeah. than a Big Daddy. Um, like, It's the thing that I like... Um, about it in general, like about the aesthetic that No Man's Sky goes for, and this update, like they updated a bunch of the graphic stuff and the yeah. terrain generation and things like that, and they've definitely hit. I felt like they came really close to hitting what they aimed for in terms of aesthetic at launch, but I feel like they've definitely nailed it now, which was they were aiming for like that kind of old sci-fi book look, you know, the kind of like seventy yeah. sci-fi or even older than is, that, you know, novel it, covers it, basically. It's it's really colourful. Yeah, exactly. Well. Yeah, it's, it's really colourful. Really, it's lots of purples and kind of a lot of contrasty colours going on. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of like you know, there's a lot of alien looking skies. There's skies that will be real weird colours, grass that will be weird colours, that kind of stuff. And it all looks bizarre and cool. And um, I feel like I don't know if this is just because you know. I haven't played it in a while, but I feel like the terrain generation is a lot less. I feel like at launch it was relatively flat. Like you, you know, you got caves and stuff like that that went lower, but generally it was, and there were some hills and stuff, but no, there was never mountains. You know, there was there was hills and some caves, but never anything that went super deep or super high. And I feel like they've changed that a lot. Like it, I've been on planets that have been. You know, they've had massive mountains throughout everything. Or uh, I landed on one earlier today when I was playing before we started podcasting that was just all water with a handful of these little islands that were floating above the water. But like the, the ground itself was just all, you know, complete water. And then there was a shitload of stuff underwater as well, which again is something I feel like didn't really happen in the base game. Or at least I never yeah. really encountered it in the twenty odd hours that I played the base game. So I feel like it's a massive improvement and I've been playing a lot of it. It got me back into No Man's Sky in a way that the previous updates didn't. Um I don't know if it's just the accumulation of the previous updates with this new stuff that's kind of done that, but it's it's been pretty awesome so far. Cool. Yeah, it's one I need back into because I was the same as you Kieran I really liked No Man's Sky but then there was only so many times you could do the same thing yeah exactly and once you do that um, the main story or I say story in quotation marks once you reach the center of the galaxy if you even do that because there's not much to push you to do it or wasn't at yeah. the start like it's you know it's whatever yeah and that stuff they've definitely improved like I'm actually interested in the story stuff now and there's side quests and side missions you can get there's now mission vendors in the every space station so you can get different types of missions and they'll just be some of them will just be things like scan a bunch of stuff on a planet some will be go and murder all these dudes sometimes it'll be go do this space battle go hunt down these guys that have a bounty on them um, <laughs> and so it just feels like they've added more stuff um and more options of things to do and like when you delve into the base building you hire people to work at your base by building, you know, 
rooms for them to work in. Basically, you'll build a weapons room and you'll build a, a science room and whatever else. And you'll hire people to work for you and those all introduce their own unique you know, chain of side missions as well that will unlock more stuff that will let you build more things or get better upgrades for your ship or better upgrades for your gun or whatever. And it just feels like there is way more to do now. And what is there to do is really fun. So, yeah. I, I definitely recommend if people played it at lunch and either, you know, liked it or, you know, didn't like it too much but, you know, thought there was something in it for them but maybe just didn't stick with it. I definitely recommend trying it with this new update. Um, and I recommend just like make a new save. Like even if you played a shitload of it at launch, like make a new save, start from scratch because they've changed so much of the progression of it mm-hmm. that it's worth just going through that through that early kind of tutorially stuff to kind of learn about it. But yeah, No Man's Sky next. Um, it is, is left No Man's Sky in a position that I, you know, I'm excited to see what else they do with it, or if they move on to something else. I suspect they're going to keep doing more updates going forward. Uh, yeah, it would make sense. Yeah, um, but it's good so far. Um, yep. So, Mike, you picked up Picross S2, which is a brand new release. I did, yes. It has. It came out today as we're recording this. Uh, so, letting you behind the curtain again. Picross 2 or Picross S2 is the second Picross game for the Switch. And it is. It's like Ronzio. It does what it says in the tin. <laughs> it's more Picross. It has uh, the same modes that are in the first one. So you've got the P-Cross and then you've got the Mega P-Cross, is it called? Yeah. Yeah, it's called the Mega P-Cross. And there are, I think it's 300 puzzles of each, something like that. Uh, I can't remember exactly how many puzzles. But it has got them. Uh, Yeah, uh they haven't changed anything there at all. It's new patterns, new pictures that you're you're unlocking. Uh, so, which is fine. So, it's like buying, you know, if you're into Sudoku or crossword puzzles and that, it's just getting the next, you know, the next book to keep yeah. you busy. Uh, so, played a little bit of it so far. Really good. And they've added something called a Clip Picross. And what Clip Picross is, is basically it's like jigsaw puzzles you have got an image and it's made up of other little Picross puzzles. And what mm-hmm. you need to do is you go into one of them and the images are different sizes, you know, so they could be a five by five grid or they could be the 10 by 10, different grids, different shapes and sizes. And you complete them. And once you've completed them, you then put them all together to make an image. So it's like building the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle and uh-huh. then doing the jigsaw puzzle. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The cool thing about it is that you have to play the main, you have to play Picross uh, and do those puzzles before you can unlock the pieces. Okay. Okay. One of them, so I've only 
uh, two of them and I've only completed one of them. One of them was a piece that I'd already done. So I knew what it was. I knew the solution to it. Mm -hmm. The second piece that I unlocked that I could do, I hadn't unlocked yet. It's a 10 by 10 grid. And so I don't know if it's a, if it's uh, one that I would eventually unlock yeah. or it's a new one. So I don't know yet, but yeah, it's quite a nice, a nice thing. Uh, so you need to build these things. And then once you've got them all built, then you need to, from my understanding of it anyway, you need to then shuffle them about to create this, this final image. It, it adds another layer onto Picross, whether Picross needs it or not. I don't think so, but it's yeah. nice. Yeah, it's nice to let's try. Yeah, because um, yeah, there's uh, so many times you can release like another puzzle book essentially. So yes, it's nice to yeah, try new things. Yeah, so it's going for round about eight pounds. I think it is eight pounds and a. Yeah, so it's not bad at all. Pick it up if you like Picross. It's fine. There's not much more to say, really. I uh, I still have so many of the puzzles in the first one to finish. I did really well with the first one um, until I got to a certain point. Uh, apart from the, I think we already ascertained the the mega picky run on myself. With the, <laughs> I, I'm not too keen on it. It's yeah. it's a bit too brain burny. I like the other one, and I got quite far. Um, still got a few to unlock, but I'll I'll carry on with the you know the easier ones on this, yeah. and then. I can always go back to the other ones. So, yeah, so it's really good though. Uh, Kieran, what the hell have you been up to though? Because have you been listening to Avril Lavigne? Oh, I sure have. Have you been playing Burnout Paradise? I don't know because. I sure have. Explain what you've been doing. So there's a summer sale on just now on PSN, and so I picked up a couple of games. I picked up Star Wars Battlefront 2, which I'll probably talk about next week because I've not played that much of it just now, uh, because that game's fucking 90 gigs, and it took me ages to download it, um, <laughs> because PSN's slow. But I also bought Burnout Paradise Remastered because it's on sale now, and that's it's now at a decent price because <laughs> it was maybe a bit expensive for me at launch. What is um, that price? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's not as expensive as it was before. Um, I would say it was like fourteen pounds, maybe a little bit more. Um, but yeah, Burnout Paradise was like one of my favorite racing games. I was going to say of last generation, but really just in general, it's just a really good racing game. Um, you know that big kind of massive open world and. It was kind of one of the first racing games to really nail doing the kind of open world thing. Yeah. You know, before, you know, way before uh, Forza Horizon attempted to do it or, you know, the no uh, the those Burnout Paradise guys went on to make all of the uh, Need for Speed games after that. And, you know, they made spiritual successors to Burnout Paradise with Need for Speed in some places, but I don't think any of them were as good as Burnout Paradise was. Yeah. Um, and that game's still fantastic. I've been playing a bunch of it, and I think it holds up. It includes all the DLC, which is really good. Uh, which includes like all of the weird movie cars they added and things like that, and the the 
Oh, what's the name of the island? Oh, the the bike, the one with the bikes. Yeah. No. Uh, I can't remember, but they added yeah. yeah, they added more bikes. They added an island. They added stuff. Um. But I've just been kind of playing the, through the base game again, doing all the races, doing all the stunt mode because the stunt mode was always kind of my favorite thing because it's just you have X amount of time, go and jump off shit, and it's like yeah, all right, I'll do that. That's what yeah. I was doing anyway. Sometimes I'll just drive around randomly. I've already knocked down like half of the barricades on that map because that's just what I've been doing. Because that's what I do. I just drive real fast and yeah. smash into things. It's great. Yeah. Big uh, Surf Island. Big Surf Island. That's the one. That, yeah. I never played Big Surf Island before, so I'm looking forward to actually trying that. Uh, because I bought that game on PC and Big Surf Island never came with the PC version. Oh, wow. Um, which was I... dumb. But, yeah. I... I had Burnout Paradise. I can't remember. It's possibly 360. It might have been. If you had Big Surf Island, it was 360 or PS3. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. I didn't. I didn't get the DLC, but because uh, I had Burnout Paradise, the PC version was called something stupid. It was like Party Edition or something like that. Did because um, it was when they added in all that quick menu stuff. Did EA not give it away on Origin? Well, they might have done. Because I think I do have it on PC, yeah. but I don't think that's when I played it. I mean, the PC port's very good. <laughs> it's a PC game, so it holds up real well. Uh, they made some graphical improvements to this version that I really like. Um, it looks just that, you know, the anti-aliasing is a lot better. That's the main thing. Like, when this remaster came out, I reinstalled the game on my PC because I was like, I'm just going to play us on PC instead. And anti-aliasing in the PC version is so terrible. Like, even with all the graphic settings turned all the way up, even with, like, super sampling on, everything just looks fucking, you know, jaggy as hell. And it's... <laughs> uh, but yeah, the remaster, they fixed a lot of that stuff. Like, the anti seems real nice. The, there's some, you know, the textures all look like they've been bumped up a fair bit. Um, very much real smooth. And, yeah, that, that game looks fantastic still. It holds up real well and plays really, really good. <laughs> Cool. So, so yeah, uh, um, that soundtrack. Phew. Yeah, it was a good soundtrack. It's eleven ninety nine. Eleven ninety nine. That's a good price. That's less than I thought I paid for it. I bought it at the same time as Battlefront. I think Battlefront's like eighteen yeah. quid still or something. Um, uh, no Man's Sky is also in the sale. So yeah, $14.99. Definitely worth picking up if you don't have it. Um, yeah, Burn of Paradise. Really good game. That price is a real good price for that. It was that remaster I felt was kind of really overpriced at launch for what it is. Uh huh. But eleven ninety nine is like a good price for it. Yeah, I, I unfortunately I caved and I gave them the money. There was far. a good, um, there was a good couple of weeks after that game came out that me and you were just sending messages back and forth on Facebook, like <laughs> I think I'm gonna buy it, and then be like, no, yes. no, 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 no. And then, yeah, you're broke, and now I've broke, so, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Forza Horizon 2 is also free with Games for Gold this month. Oh, is it? If you want more open-world uh, racing game goodness. It's also backwards compatible yeah. on Xbox One. Or actually, no, sorry, it's the oh. Xbox One version that's on it. Yeah. Because that I was a cross-generation one. Uh, yeah. What's that, Horizon 2? Horizon 2 is good. Horizon 2, yeah. I never yeah. owned Horizon 2 because um, I didn't buy an Xbox One at launch. I didn't buy an Xbox One until you were getting rid of yours. <laughs> <laughs> and by that point, Horizon 3 was out and I was like, I'm going to get that one. 
because that's, that's, yes. that's the new one. And have you now sold that one to Paul? No, no, Paul, I'm not getting it. I'm probably going to get rid of it at some point. Um, I'm a bit of a tangent here, but I'm on a, 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 a decision making kind of thing where I got a new PS4, so a PS4 Pro. So I have my old PS4 there, which still works fine. The fan gets a bit loud when playing games that are kind of intensive, like God of War. I couldn't play that using my speakers. I had to wear headphones because I fucking couldn't hear anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it works. And that's something that won't pop up if I sell it at like CEX or something. So that's fine. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably going to sell that at CEX. It's boxed and everything so I can get a decent amount still. And then that Xbox One, which I don't have the box for, because I have the box that Mike gave me, which is the one for his Xbox One S. Yes, yeah. Not, my, which, which my original <laughs> box, yeah, it got knackered. But still, unboxed, I can still get a decent amount. And so I'm trying to make a decision of what to use that money for, because now I have 4K TV, I want to be able to watch 4K movies. Ah, right. And it's, so... there's so few ways to watch 4K movies because the digital options are all terrible. Right. Did have you upgraded your Netflix yeah. to the 4K option? Yeah, but there's so few so few things on Netflix that support 4K. Yeah. Like yes. You can, you can search for it, and it's basically just their stuff, which is fine. Yes. I watch all Netflix stuff. I watched Glow in 4K, and that was fantastic because yeah, yeah. Um, but like in terms of like if I want to rent a 4K movie or buy a 4K movie, my options are Google Play which you can count their 4K movies on your fingers. They have so few of them. Uh, and also, I don't have any way... I'd need to buy 4K Chromecast if I was going to use that as well. But it's not, it doesn't seem like it's worth doing because they have so few 4K movies. Hmm. Uh, Amazon Prime, which has the same issue where they have so few 4K movies on their system. So, again, not worth buying a, a Prime Cube or whatever the fuck their new... 4K Prime thing is, uh, yeah. Fire Cube, um, and so the options that are actually there are, I use this money to buy an Xbox One S, which plays 4K Blu-rays, and I buy 4K Blu-rays. The, which the PS4 Pro doesn't. It play. does not play 4K Blu-rays. No. Which is real stupid. I don't know. They didn't put that, a 4K Blu-ray player on it. It's, that is real dumb. I, it would be an okay thing. Like I'd be okay with it if... Because again, Sony sells movies on the PlayStation Store. None of them are in 4K. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... I It would make sense if they were like, oh yeah, but we don't we didn't put a Blu-ray player on it because everyone buys everything digitally now anyway, so just buy 4K movies from us. But you can't buy 4K movies from them. <laughs> so my options are literally buy an Xbox One S that has a 4K Blu-ray player on it, buy a 4k blu-ray player but apparently the xbox one s is kind of one of the better cheaper ones or buy an apple tv 4k because that's the only thing itunes is the only thing that has a good selection of 4k content yeah. on it oh okay it's because apple's been doing 4k forever yeah exactly and apple's been uh 4k content doesn't cost any more on itunes apparently than reg regular stuff does Apple's been pushing okay. very much to be like if you ha if you buy it in HD you get it in 4K. In fact, it's the latest MacBook not like 6K now. Oh, something like that. Screen is ridiculous. Their Retina screens with the crazy super sampling and stuff like that. Is, yeah. They've 
they're they look fantastic. <laughs> if there's one thing that Apple's very good at, it's screens. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so I'm in this position where it's like, okay, I'm gonna sell this shit and then buy either an Xbox One S or an Apple 4K TV because that's the only ways I can watch a decent amount of 4K content on this. Yeah. TV. So. I have my Xbox One S. I have yet to buy a 4K Blu-ray because I refuse to give them double the amount or even sometimes treble the amount of Blu-ray. So that's part of the reason why I'm leaning towards getting an Apple TV because Apple, I can't remember, in America at least, they don't charge anymore for 4K. Yeah. I think here they might, but it's not as much as the Blu-ray differences. Yeah. I'm thinking though as well, like I've got a 4K telly January sales. Um, but the only thing I think I've watched 4K on it was David Attenborough through the BBC app that's actually built into the telly yeah right the other option is I just don't buy anything to watch 4K stuff on it because 1080p stuff scaled up also still looks really nice it still looks very good yeah Mm. like I watched Get Out on there in 1080p but scaled up to 4K and it looked fantastic Mm-hmm. Like I spent some time juggling between my Xbox and the bedroom and the PS4, mm-hmm. the living room, and, and you know swapping them around, and definitely found that <laughs> the likes of Final Fantasy just on the 4K telly looked better. Yeah. So I don't know. That's my tangent. Yeah. But 4K content sucks. Well, there's just not 4K. enough of it. Well, yeah, like, 4K content as a thing is awesome, but the ways to get 4K content sucks. The delivery mechanisms are terrible. So you got got a PS Pro. Yeah. Did you also get PSVR? I did not. I couldn't afford to buy a PSVR, PS4 Pro, and a 4K TV all at the same time. (laughs) They They were all on sale, and at one point I did have them all in my basket, and I was like, no, I can't justify this. This is already more money than I should be spending. This is okay. I need to take this like two hundred quid thing because I had like the Amazon had all this shit on sale during their Prime Day, and one of them was the four yeah, the PSVR with the starting bundle, so it comes with the PlayStation camera and also the Move controllers. Yeah, which is kind of everything you really need for that. And I was like, yeah, yeah I want that. I want all that. And it was like two hundred quid, and I was like, that's hmm, not when I'm also getting a console and a TV. Yeah. <laughs> 200 quid for the VR headset and all I think it was that it might be different um, that's yeah that's pretty good it was it was a good deal that's why I almost bought it it's like whatever the price was it was really good and I was like oh man that's tempting but yeah I I resisted one of the three things I was going to buy um yeah 4k sort your shit out movie industry please um, but yeah. So Mike, uh, have you been playing any 4K games? Uh, no, I've been playing uh, 8-bit games. <laughs> yeah, you have. So, so I much better. Did... Yeah, Tell us about I... a game that sorted its shit out. Like Enter the Gungeon. <laughs> yeah, so I did the same as Kieran. I was scouting around the sales and things, uh, but it was more on the Switch side. And although I'd missed the, as it came out, it got like an introductory discount. I missed that, but I picked it up anyway, which was Enter the Gungeon. 
So enter the Gungeon as a roguelike and you pick one of four characters. You go into a dungeon and you've both played this, yeah? A dungeon? I think you mean you go into a gungeon. No. I've played a lot of yeah. it as a gungeon. I'm terrible at it. I, I have not played it. Right, okay. So you enter a dungeon looking for a... A gungeon. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> you enter a dungeon because, and you're looking for this sacred relic. It's a gun. And it's ah. in a dungeon and it becomes ah. a gungeon. gungeon. All of... All of the enemies uh, tend to be like bullets uh, and things like that. It's all about weapons and things. So you pick a character and off you go into this gungeon. And you die. Mm -hmm. You die a lot. Sounds like a roguelike. It's definitely a roguelike. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So there's there's hundreds and hundreds of different guns that are in there. Uh, some of them are, you know, a gun as you would recognize them. Some of them, not so much. Uh, one of the weapons that I found, or one of the guns that I found, was a beehive gun. And it is, it's just a beehive and it shoots bees. Uh, that was one of the things. I, I mean, that, that was always my favorite tactic in Bioshock. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you find all these weapons you go through and basically you go through a level and find a boss it again like roguelikes it's all random so there's set rooms but they're in random order you don't know which ones you're going to get so when you find the boss level the boss room you don't know which boss you're going to get so Mm. far i've discovered three different bosses Mm -hmm. and i've yet to beat one of them was one of them gatling goal uh, Gatling Gull Gatling is probably my favourite because he's yeah, the... that parody of Vulcan Raven from Metal Gear Solid <laughs> uh, there are two bullets yes like they're sitting on like a throne and they stand up no no no, no. these are two bullets they're um, I forget what they're called but they're two bullets and they run around oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, okay. and then there is the bullet that sits on the throne yeah yeah, and the throne's made. It's a throne of guns. Yes. Like everything, the game everything is made of guns and bullets, and yeah, yeah, and you will die a lot. Definitely. Uh, I've yet to clear one of the bosses, uh, but the 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 kind of rogue-like thing that comes into it as well is that any of the weapons that you've unlocked stay unlocked, so. I'm not too sure how that works, though. Does that mean is it easier for you to find them again? Or... Uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I, because I was talking to... Uh, at the weekend, we met up with a couple of people who were doing things, and a friend of the show, David, mm-hmm. and David was selling me on Enter the Gungeon. And he said something, and I think I misunderstood him. He says, once you get the gun, you've got it. And I thought I took that to mean that it's in your inventory. Oh no. no, no. Whenever you die, you start again. You start fresh. Yeah. I don't know. Does anything? Does it improve, or is it just me? Just me. I'm getting better and uh, anticipating things and getting used to the rooms and things. Mostly that. Uh, as you get further in, like I've not got much further than that. I've only beat like first boss and got a couple floors into that stuff before dying. Um, right. Okay. But you'll unlock kind of 
different things in the the, the overworld, the kind of hub area at the start and things like that. But nothing too major. It's mostly just getting better at the game. Um, yeah, yeah. I found hard. I, I did find there's new NPCs you can unlock and you can save yeah. them. You can rescue them, and they go back to like you said the the entrance of the dungeon. Yeah, kind of like how I've... Um, Curse of the Necrodancer worked as well. Yeah, yeah. So Necrodancer, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. They it's... they just released like a big update for out of the dungeon. Um, like last week, yeah. Uh, called the, I think it's called the Gungeons and Dragons update. Yeah, um, ad, ad, advanced G and advanced G and D. That's it. Yeah, advanced yeah. Gungeons and Dragons. Um, and it, I've not played it much since then. But from what I understand, it's actually slightly easier now than it was before. Which, yes, it yeah. has found it a little bit easier. But I, think, I, I think still they, to beat the first boss. I think like you drop it drops more stuff now than it used to like there's more drop rates you're more likely to get good stuff they've added more things that can drop in the first place um it seems like a sizable yeah. update um i've been meaning to go back to it um but it's... yeah it's apparently also still hard as fuck yeah it's hard as nails it's good fun but i find that i can play it for a little while and then i get frustrated yeah definitely and but it's not like you know old school NES frustrated where I don't know how many old uh, how many controllers I smashed when I was younger against the <laughs> yeah. wall it's not just... uh, hey this game was you know originally designed for arcades and as such it's bullshit yeah it's, uh, I'm not good enough for this level yet kind yeah. Of yeah Um. so I normally find right okay that's it I'm done I'll move on to something else and yeah, going back with fresh eyes and a little bit calmer, you yeah. do tend to get a little bit easier. To, um, but I'm still, still struggling. I think I need to master the the diving over the bullets and things. Yes, uh, being able yeah. to roll, like or roll and dive like at yeah. at whim, is important. Yes. Yeah. Um, but to kind of help make you feel better about, you know, the difficulty of it. Uh, Summer Games Done Quick was a few weeks ago at this point, a month ago. Mm, yeah. Um, uh -huh. There was an Air of the Gungeon uh, run during that. And All right, okay. The guy took two attempts at it and failed both times. <laughs> like this guy, this guy that is, like, he's done other runs. He did other runs at Summer Games Done Quick while he's there. And the dude is fucking fantastic at video games. But right. it's just, that game is brutal and, like, the slightest mistake and. It punishes you so hard, right? But yeah, good. Yeah. I I'm kind of uh, yeah, that's cheered me up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but so that's that's what uh, I've been spending money on, which is quite good. Uh, I'm just looking to see, Ben, you've been fucking around on a bike. I have, and not just on my daily commute. <laughs> um, yes. I have been playing Tour de France the video game right I've probably been playing far too much of it in all fairness I, I was playing it the other night uh, turned around and realised it was 2 o'clock in the morning that happens yeah, <laughs> it does but the thing is I don't get it <laughs> I don't. I don't really get the game because 
okay, the Tour de France, it's it's a series of bike races that last a really fucking long time. And it's not the most exciting thing. Uh-huh. Not even to watch. And so much so that even when you're playing the game, there's a there's a kind of a voice that goes on. It's not a commentator, it's more like a mentor for your team. And he comes out with things like flat stages. No wonder they're not shown on their entirety on TV. And if this race continues like this, it won't go down in the history books. And you're just like, okay, so why am I playing it? <laughs> um, and, it, it, you know, the game actively encourages you to skip lots of the race. You can fast forward through it. You can just basically set tactics up for your team and then just hold down a button to fast forward or even select from the stage map. Okay, fast forward to this point and then I'll take over. Maybe before one of the sprints or the hill climbs or something. Yeah. I think it's um, interesting. I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, the bits where points are on offer. Yeah. For the various colourful jerseys. When you reach the finish line, let me take control again. Yeah. I or did like a... just, just, just before that. <laughs> I did it. I go over the finish line. Um, I was trying to. I was going to actually before we came on. I'm trying to go through the full actual Tour de France because I played. I started playing the kind of make your own rider and be part of a team mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, in which case your team starts out pretty shit, so you're not invited to most of the races, including the Tour de France. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I tried the make your own team mode, which is pretty much the exact same, except you don't have you as a rider. Mm-hmm. You just buy someone else. And like even when you do... The be a pro you still make a team and it just gives you a default team but if you go into the make a team mode that default team is basically the best team you could buy in that mode so there's literally no difference between those two game modes uh but i jumped into the kind of solo race mode to actually try out the tour de france mm-hmm. um because I, I randomly watched the final stage of tour de france at the weekend Right. I came back in on on the Saturday, uh, and I was waiting for the the replay of the F one qualifying, and the final stage of Tour de France was on the telly, so I watched it. That's cool. So I'm trying to get to that final stage, so that I can then compare with what I watched yeah. on the telly. Right. Because so far, graphically, that game has been pretty disappointing. Ah. Uh, I mean, uh, so far it's mostly just been riding through countryside and then random generic villages. Oh, okay. All, all the riders are exactly the same. <laughs> oh, that's not good. One that's... character model for for every rider. <laughs> unless unless you make your own in which case the, the height and weight that you input affects your character. Can you give them a big scary smiley face mask? No. <sighs> I mean, what... While they're on the bikes, all you see is their tops and their helmets anyway. But at the end of the stage, if you've won a jersey or if you won the actual stage, then there's a podium presentation. And you're when you're playing in the team mode, it's like, someone's about to win a jersey, but I don't know what the race it is until they check it, because they all look the same. That's such a weird choice. 
Like I imagine it is. it's probably not the highest budget game in the world, but still like when you're choosing places to like to put your budget on a game that is about, you know, a bunch of cyclists cycling, surely the bunch of cyclists is where you would put your budget. Yeah. At least partially. I mean there are there are other character models for the two ladies that present you the trophy and the reef uh-huh. if you're on the podium. I'm pretty sure they look identical too. There's also character models for like the random crowds yeah. that stand at the side of the road. Um, there's maybe a dozen models at best. Do you know if this is the same developers that make them? Like these games come out, you know, they're not that rare. Like they they do multiple of them. Yeah, yeah, they come out. They come out every year. I think. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you played last year's one. Uh I don't know if it was last year's, but yes, I have, yeah. Uh, I've played a couple of them. Were these issues in previous years? <sighs> it was... Yeah, it's kind of hard to remember. I don't think it was as bad as Ben's one. I wonder, like, I think it... if they if they do this every year, like, you'd assume well, that at some point yeah. they would have been like, all right, this is the year we add a second bike, yeah. a cyclist model. <laughs> like, yeah. It's our big update it, this year as we added a second cyclist. Yeah, it kind of strikes me as weird though that it's a licensed product, so you know yeah. how it's managed to get to where it is with you know, that's that's a big issue. I think I'd like to think that if the one that I played it, and I think the one that I played was it was a good while ago mm-hmm. um I'd like to think that I would have picked up on that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you would think that somebody would go, hang on, you know, this is the official game that's representing us. Why is it a race of fucking clones? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, Ben, when you watched the actual race on TV, were they all clones? No. Oh, are you no, sure? You, you, could, you could tell they were okay. different. It's just yeah. in case, just in case maybe the, it's not an issue of the game <laughs> and in fact cycling has moved on in a way that none of us noticed where yeah. they've replaced the regular people with clones. <laughs> um, yeah, the other thing was with the, the crowd models. The crowd like to randomly step out onto the road while you're cycling past. Okay. Oh, okay. But, but, but step out is a loose term. They just kind of slide out onto the road. <laughs> so strange it's yeah not great but at the same time you're also not really paying attention to those things while you're playing it yeah true you do notice them um, the one thing that is quite nice is there's a with the actual Tour de France section of the game there's a lot of presentation for the different stages of the tour I guess like, right Beforehand, it's got a big map of France, and it shows you the route over the you know two hundred odd kilometers that that section's going. Okay, so that's okay. weird though because I've been I've been watching little bits of the Tour de France, and particularly the the stages. Yeah. That sounds like it's taken from the television presentation. So yeah, it looks like it is. Yeah, so whoever's given them the license have given them all these assets to use and say, look, you need to put this in the game so people know it's the Tour de France. And Yeah. So I just don't... 
Yeah, I'm the same as you, Ben. I don't get it. I don't yeah. know how they've let it slide to the point where, yeah, it doesn't matter about, you know, just keep keep the people all the same. It's fine. <laughs> and I think the, the other thing is that the, the actual Tour de France is only one set of races. It's only one event within the whole cycling calendar that's in the game. So none of the other events have this nice presentation to them either. It's only for the tour. I mean, the tour is something like 30 different stages across several days, but um, like it's a big chunk of the game. Right. But the rest of it's just kind of, you know, here's a stage. Go and do it. Hmm. Uh, the developer Cyanide Studios. So I'm not quite sure if they were. Well, they did it before. The ones that did it before, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah. They, well... Strange. Yeah. They're French as well. The oh, wow. That's... <laughs> that's really weird. Yeah. Odd. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean... I'm kind of enjoying it anyway. <laughs> the game, like it is more strategy than racing. Yeah, because uh, you're kind of setting up your your team to go in a certain way so that you'll have enough energy towards the end of the game, uh, end of the, the race, or picking where you think you'll get most points if you've got a really good. Uh, hill climber in your team, mm -hmm. then you're going to go for the polka dot jersey, and you're rather than worrying about the sprints or the actual races. All right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I I wasn't really getting it when I was trying the the pro mode because I was like, I'm just going to race as my bike, my my guy, and see how well I do. And oh my <laughs> god, I'm terrible. Um. But playing through this Tour de France, like I, I was playing with Team Sky, who are the best teams out there, so I got a bit more sense of how the strategy works. Okay, so it seems like maybe the game itself is still quite good. It's just the presentation that's maybe lackluster. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely fair to say. Yeah, it's a shame, but it does happen. Yeah. Yeah, Fair enough. Tour de France. It's uh, the actual Tour de France is obviously over. Um, and we'll be putting a review of that on the website as well. So. Cool. Have we got any more games to talk about? Uh, we do. Mike, you've been playing something called Airmail? Oh, I thought he was just sending stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I, I was wondering, have you been? Is it an actual game, or have you just been sending things in the mail, ordering things from the states? <laughs> well, I've I've done that as well. So, but no, it's not that. What it is is it's a mobile port. So it was one of the games that it came out on the Switch a little while ago, and you know how they've got on the the market, they've got. Uh, screenshots and you can see and it looked quite pretty mm -hmm. and I thought it's a flying game 
yeah, one of the things that I quite like. Uh, it's more like pickup and delivery, and it's a yeah. Are you it's... playing as Amazon drones? Uh, no, you're not playing as Amazon. You've got a biplane. You're flying around, <laughs> and I thought, okay, this, this could be something I would like. So that was fine. Researched it, seen it was a bit. It was a mobile game, and I thought, right, just be careful here. So I didn't buy it, and then I picked it up when it was on the sale. And I paid seven pounds. Is that why I paid for it? That's what it says on the store. Right. No, that's fine. I paid that. <laughs> I kind of wish I didn't. Oh. Yeah. It's the game. It is pretty. It does look pretty. Yeah. It's a <sighs> couple of weird things with it. So it's got this story mode, and you know you're uh, an orphan. And you meet this guy who's got a, a service that uses pilots and you join him and you go and you do these missions. That's fine. The story's told to you in these movies. And that yeah, that's fine as well. No problems. The person telling you the story is got a fake Japanese accent. I don't know why. It's okay though, it's not bad. The problem is how that has been recorded. It sounds really bad. The pe- it sounds like somebody has recorded it or they recorded the audio on their phone mm-hmm. from across an echoey room. <laughs> the, the shouting, the peak levels are, you know, you can you can hear the distortion at certain yeah. points and fluctuations in his voice. It's badly recorded audio. It's not been mm-hmm. mastered or mixed or anything. And it's put in here. And then sometimes the music is at the wrong level. So the music hasn't been mixed in with the, the audio. Uh-huh. It just sounds really, really bad. That yeah, is off That is, Yeah, that's off-putting. The game itself, it's your standard mobile fare. So you're doing these little missions. Uh, the first couple of missions teaches you how to you know, fly the plane within the game and then it teaches you you're you're basically flying a lot of times it's flying through certain targets so a little bit like the what was the Wii game Pilot Wings Pilot Wings Superman 64 yeah so kind of Pilot Wings you're you're flying through these rings then the other part is where you're it's got a pick up and deliver element as well Mm -hmm. so you fly and got little things in the water because it's a biplane you have as well it's mm. an aqua aqua biplane so it's got the the boys on it and you float in the water pick up something then take off again and you need to deliver it to another place on the map uh, the map itself for the story mode is it's not that big it's okay I wish I'd paid a fiver or less yeah I I actually do have an issue with paying the two quid more than I paid. Yeah. Um, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. It's, I, I couldn't tell you to go and buy it. See if you had lots of loyalty points or whatever the hell they call it on Switch. Gold. The points. bonus. Go. Yeah. You, if you had a whole load of them and you were looking for something and it was, you know, you thought, I wouldn't mind giving it a a try um and i'm not going to get upset if i you know 
mm-hmm. you don't enjoy it, then I would say maybe. But I don't think I could recommend it to anyone. All right. I'm looking, just... at, I'm looking at things that are on sale on Switch right now. Yes. Cat Quest is £1.21 cheaper than this game. Uh, Cat Quest, I bought Cat Quest. I've spoken about it on the podcast. Fantastic yeah. game. Uh, again, port of a mobile. Brilliant. Buy it. Yeah, buy Cat Quest instead. Yes. Buy. There's, there's tons of stuff buy, on sale. Buy anything else instead. Yes, yeah. Buy, yes. Pretty much buy anything else but this. Yeah. Um. Yeah. If you want a flight well, game, I don't know if it's on sale just now, but Rogue Aces for the Switch is a solid roguelike arcadey flight game. It's not amazing, uh-huh. but it's good. Or sorry, not Rogue Aces, uh, Sky Rogue. I don't. There is also a game called Rogue Aces. I don't know if that one's good. <laughs> but Sky Rogue. I think uh, Rogue Aces had the Paul bought and it wasn't. It may have been. Because there's, because remember all these flight games all came out at the exact same time. Yeah. Skyrim was good. There was that two D one that was supposed to be really good that I never picked up. Yeah, Skyrim is fifteen pounds and it's not on sale. Okay, well, maybe wait for a sale for that one. But yeah, if you just really want a flight game on Switch, that's probably the one to go with, rather than this. Right. Yeah, this was. It looks pretty, and I got suckered in. Yeah, yeah so it happens. Yeah, it happens. Um, I will play a little bit more of it. It's not the gameplay isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's quite enjoyable. But like I said, a fiver max, or you know, I don't know what it was like. I think it's a an iPad game. Yeah. So. I don't know how much it is on there, you know, three or four quid. Yeah, definitely, Probably. you know, give it a bash. But yeah, for seven pound, and that's it. I think that's half price as well. It's not worth the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but uh, moving on, I think we've got one game to speak about, which is Pokken Tournament DX or DX Tournament or. However, the hell it's. Uh, I think it's Tournament DX. Ah. Um, yeah, so I bought this because there was. I don't know if it was just a mispricing because it seemed to sell out very quickly. Um, but yes. Amazon had a, had a digital copy of it for. £12. Know, £12. £12.83, um, I think it was. Yeah. Which for a game, for a Nintendo published game, is very cheap. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Nintendo publish games yes. do not tend to go on sale for very much, and when they do, it's usually like, oh, it's forty five ninety nine instead of £50. What a bargain. It's like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, well, no, people should keep an eye out, because remember, we thought the same thing with Battletech when it was on sale. Now. Yes. <laughs> that is true, yes. It went back in stock again, so yes, maybe keep an eye on this pocket thing in case they put it back up. I, yeah, I am keeping an eye. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's a good price for it. I haven't played much of it. I mainly just wanted to talk about it slightly to talk about how garbage the online is in it um, all right okay because i picked up because friend of the show nathan sent me a message saying hey look this game is on sale we play fighting games together sometimes let's both buy it and we both bought it and then we're like all right let's play together both went into online and we're like all right how do we play together 
So I googled how to play together with friends. Uh huh. There's two ways you can do it. One, you can make a group, which is basically like, you know, how clans used to work in old shooters and stuff like that back when that was a thing. Um, you can invite people to it. Or, you know, I guess Destiny still has like clans as well. Um, you invite people to it, and then you can just match make within that group. So we did that. I made a group. Me and Nathan were the only two in it. We both started matchmaking. Nathan got paired against the CPU and I got paired against a random guy that wasn't in the group. So we're like, alright, this clearly doesn't work. Is there any other ways to do it? Look it up online. You can do friendly matchmaking, non-ranked matchmaking, and you can set a password, which is kind of like how Dark Souls does it as well, if you want to matchmake with a friend. You set a password, you both set the same password, and it will matchmake you together with each other. The way it works right. is it tries to matchmake you. If it can't do it within 10 seconds, it puts you against the AI so that you can just fight against the AI while you're waiting for matchmaking. Uh-huh. Uh, we waited for a good 10, 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Didn't work. And so we just gave up and we played Tekken instead. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's my experience with Pawkins Online. It seems terrible. But, hey, you know, in a month or so, you'll be able to pay for it. Oh, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> gonna be great <laughs> uh, but that's really all I would say like that game seems fine like I that seems like it was I would never pay full price for that game because I don't think it's like an amazing fighting game or anything um, but it's good enough for you know when it's on sale or mispriced or whatever right to pick up um, th- that game has DLC like paid DLC which seems really oh, weird wow. to me, given it's like the deluxe version of it from the Wii U. Which, I assume it's DLC they added specifically for the Switch version, but you can pay to buy two more characters. Which seems bizarre to me, but hey, whatever, I guess. Um, yeah, Pokemon DX. Maybe, maybe don't buy it. Maybe buy it if it's super cheap, but even then, don't buy it with the intention of playing with specific people. <laughs> Yeah. Because that doesn't seem to be a thing that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's us for video games. Uh, yes, I think yeah. it is, yeah. For now, at least. Probably yeah. not forever. No, no. So, uh, we've got a few board games. Kieran, you've not played anything at all. I haven't played any board games um, at all. I should have. I still need to write my Thronestorm review and my five-minute... Uh, chase review but we'll get there cool uh, I see yeah we've got a few I, I also see that we're uh, running a as well so we'll try and go through them as quickly as we can Ben you have you've got a lot of RPGs on your on your table at the moment yeah I do so when we were at uh, UK Games Expo, uh, one of the people we went to pop by were was it the Free League? Yes. And they kindly said, "Here, have all these things." And it crippled Ben. I ran away and left him. <laughs> to how many books did you end up with, Ben? Five, I think. Yeah, and it yeah. was the, it's these big, thick hardcover books. Yep. Yeah, so uh, the reason we were speaking to them was uh, they are doing the Crusader Kings board game. 
Yes. Um, but yeah, like you said, he, uh, Thomas said to us, here, have all our RPG books and you can cover them if you like as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was fine because we've just, we had just at the time done coverage of Elite Dangerous RPG. Yes. Uh, sorry for mentioning it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have been looking through the books that we've got, and I, I actually gave one of them to Kieran. Yes, I have one. I, gave you, I, I think I gave you the core book of the mutant. Yes, because I've still got the kind of the two expansion versions of it. Yeah, uh, along with Coriolis and Tales from the Loop. Um, so we've been looking at all of them, and the the system in each one is pretty much the same. Like the mechanics of task resolution. Um, I don't know. Have you looked much at, at it, Kieran? Not much. Uh, I've right. kind of skimmed through it, but mainly like the kind of the less the mechanics, more the kind of lore stuff. Yeah. So the the, the mechanics are, are straightforward. Uh, a number of d6, and if you get a six on any of those, then you've passed. Mm-hmm. And if you get three or more sixes, then you've passed spectacularly. Um, and so, like your your skill level determines how many d sixes you roll, okay. and you'll get various bonuses from whatever is going on. So it's a it's a straightforward mechanic system, um, one that doesn't rely on just a single dice and modifier, yeah, as well, which is good. Um, I've mainly been looking at the Coriolis because it's a space setting similar to the one we just covered, and it also the kind of space combat mechanic seems very similar to Traveller, which we played at the expo as well. Whereas the pilot says we should do this thing, and if everybody does that thing, they get bonuses to what they're doing. And it kind of the pilot tells the uh, the, the captain tells the pilot to do something, and like, he successfully does that. Engineering successfully does their stuff, and then weapons has lots of extra dice to roll mm-hmm. for attacking, sort of thing. So that that looks kind of cool because uh, we found that system was, I think, I think you'd say, Mike, it was quite an interesting system with the the ship combats when we played it in, with Traveller. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, we broke that game, but <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yes, yeah. Nothing wrong uh, with breaking a game. If it yeah. lets you break it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I actually gave the Coriolis book to a friend of the show, Stephen, who's looking over it just now, and one of us will run a game once we find a group to get that set up with. Um, but the other reason I wanted to mention the books just now was uh, I think I shared the news with you guys that Amazon picked up Tales from the Loop, and are going to turn it into a TV series. Oh, okay. In a kind of similar style to Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to be... We're going to look at that as well, uh, but we might wait a wee bit and kind of time it with time it with Amazon covering yeah, it as well. That makes sense. Because that would make sense, yeah. Um, and kind of to go with the RPGs, uh, we also got sent something on the back of UK Games Expo uh, by 
the very nice people at Loki Battle Mats. Uh, and it is a big book of battle mats. <laughs> and it's it's actually quite good. I've been looking at battle mats for RPG settings and kind of hadn't hadn't found one that was going to fit my needs or the right kind of backgrounds or settings or whatever. And this big book, I mean, it's it's not a huge book. It's A4, 58 pages. But each one is a laminated battle mat with one-inch grids on it. So if you open the book, you get a kind of two-page spread of a map. Mm-hmm that works is so i've opened it randomly here and i've got a, a river edge uh, with kind of ground on either side that you can set up as a as a setting there's a uh, castle grounds there's dungeon area plains snow fields there's yeah there's just a whole list of random settings so you can use this for a, a wide variety of campaigns that sounds pretty awesome and it, it is and the, the great thing is it's only 20 quid as well mm-hmm. and you'd pay you'd pay that for like two a3 or a2 mats yeah and that's a that's a whole book of them that's that same price. like a good deal yeah so I, the, only, the only the only downside is, is perhaps the overall size of them is that at best you're using two A4 pages? All oh, right. That's With still not that bad. That's still... It's yeah, it's not terrible, but we got three, six, nine, twelve, sixteen squares. So, yeah. Um, the artwork's really nice. Uh, really well finished. The, you know, the pages are all, I like. The laminated stuff so you can draw and, and white clean them as well mm-hmm. yeah i would uh, i'd highly recommend it for for anybody looking for a battle mat and doesn't really know what they want this thing will kind of have it for you yeah or if you want to like do maybe like some kind of you know rpg campaign that goes through a bunch of environments yeah you'll be able to be a lot easier than sourcing individual ones over and over you can yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm looking at a, at like a, a video of it online just now, and just someone flicking through it. Basically, it looks really nice. Yeah, seems cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely recommend it to, to people. If they're looking for some new mats or, or their first mat. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, Mike, you've been, you've actually been playing a game. <laughs> I have, I think. yes, yeah. Rather than just looking at pictures, yes, <laughs> just looking at maps <laughs> and reading yeah. books. So I've, uh, it's a little bit of cheating, but I'll, I'll explain exactly what's been happening. So, about two and a half years ago, I backed a Kickstarter for a card game which I spoke quite a lot about on the podcast called Sentinels of the Multiverse, which is a superhero card game where everyone plays as a superhero, they get a deck of cards, and they fight a villain, which is a deck of cards as well, and they fight them in a specific environment, which is also a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, everyone gets a turn, uh, all the superheroes 
or the villain and then the environment. And basically, you're working cooperatively to beat the the villain. So I backed the final expansion to this game called Oblivion. And it's, I think we've explained it before, all the heroes on in here are, they're based on, they take their inspiration from, you know, comics in the Marvel and DC universe and basically anywhere. So Oblivion is their big boss and it's a cross between Galactus and the Thanos at the moment. And the universe, multiverse that they've created is going to end. They've got different heroes coming in and things like that. Looks really good. A different uh, system, quite complicated. So that eventually got delivered to me. And I'd also backed a big storage box to store all the cards in. This thing is huge. Have you ever seen 2001? Yeah, the be- the beginning of two thousand and one, and there's the big black thing that lands, and the monkeys, you know, start worshiping it and throwing bananas at it and all sorts, and it's a weird sequence. This is what they sent me. They sent me mm. that big thing. So you're saying that's about the size of uh, launch PS3? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's even bigger than that. This box, this, this box is bigger than a Gloomhaven box. How does it compare to Rising Sun? Uh, the the box that they shipped uh, the, all the Oblivion stuff in was the same size as the shipping box for Rising Sun. Four. Yeah. Yes, it was. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I so I spent a whole lot of time putting you know everything into that box, but one of the things that the the uh, the sentinels of the multiverse games is famous for is the stretch goals mm-hmm. and they add in so i don't know if anyone try to buy the sentinels of the multiverse game you can buy the the big big box expansions but there's mini hero expansions and these are normally stretch goals during various campaigns so there was two of them for, or two heroes um, that were released as separate expansions this time. One called, uh, oh, the Stuntman, and another called Benchmark. Two different heroes. And so I've played, I've actually played a game of Sentinels, a couple of games of Sentinels of the Multiverse using these two heroes, mm-hmm. because trying to get my head around Oblivion is. It's quite a complicated setup. Rather than just having one villain, you've got one villain, but it's set across two different environments. He's got uh, various minions that he can send out to attack you. He's got shield minions that shield him, and they all have their own various decks. So to play a five-player game, I think you end up with something like nine decks of cards in play. It's, you know, quite involved. So rather than doing that, I just played the old game and started bringing in the new heroes. And I played with a hero called Benchmark and a hero called Stuntman. And yeah, they're still doing interesting things with the way that the decks of cards work. So, you know, one of my favorite heroes is a hero called Tachyon. Tachyon's thing is that she has four cards 
that deal damage and they deal massive damage but how they do is the number the amount of damage they will deal is based on the number of a certain type of cards that you can get from her deck into the trash mm-hmm. so a lot of her cards are you know they're about cycling cards discard this card discard that card and sometimes they you know you get a little bit of a benefit from discarding them sometimes it's just draw three cards keep one get rid of two uh, and things like that so each of the heroes has a specific mechanism around them uh, so the hero the, one of the new heroes called Stuntman, he is he's a, a stuntman, it's his job, um, and he does stunts. So what he does is, uh, he's also an actor, he's a bit of a, a diva, is the background story. So he likes to do things where he, if he gets to take a turn during somebody else's turn, he thrives, he does better, so he'll deal more damage when it's somebody else's turn when he jumps in on it. Um he has lots of cards that allow you to put things in place that should somebody uh, do something, you can jump in, you get an attack and you get, you know, bonus extra. So on your turn, you maybe not do much. You're just placing cards in front of you and you're basically like laying traps and it, but it's good traps because if, if you're one of the heroes, you want, you know, you don't mind falling into that trap. If that makes any sense because you're doing your thing and then it activates something that allows Stuntman to come in. And I thought that was quite unique. I've not seen yeah. it in any of the other. So, you know, you would play, this sometimes allows you to play three cards in one go and you don't achieve anything yet. And that's the big thing is yet because you can end up chaining attacks based on things that happen. Uh, I thought that was quite cool. There was a hero called Benchmark. Benchmark's idea is he has... He's got hardware and software, so he's got certain cards, and you can't have too much hardware and software operating at the same time. You have to pick which ones you use. Um, But he also has cards that just cycle. Um, So there's a card that does damage. You can play it from your hand. It will do a various amount of damage. But then it has a secondary option where you can either bring it back into your hand and lose the rest of your turn, but you're guaranteed, you know, a decent amount of damage on your next turn. Or you can sacrifice that card, put it into your trash, and then do something else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, just two nice additions to the deck um they're from they're not from the oblivion main expansion they're like i said they're the stretch goals so you you'd be able to pick them up separately i'm not too sure when this uh, range of products is going to go into retail i think they're talking about september october so keep an eye out for it uh, it's the Oblivion stuff. There is a nice load of heroes and things that I've had a look at. I haven't played them yet, but I definitely could say check it out. Uh, I don't think there's any any run through, so maybe I should maybe write some sort of review or try and do a video or something. Yeah, but definitely. yeah, yeah. If you like uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse, check it out, and also you can get those two heroes digitally. They're part of the latest mini um, uh, mini expansion pack that was released digitally on the 
uh, it's on Steam, it's on iOS and all the different various formats. Uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse, the video game. And it's also free if you bought the Season Pack 2. So check that out as well. Awesome. Cool. I don't think anything else missed. Is there anything else we need to talk about board no. game-wise? I don't think so. I've not played any. Yeah. I plan on playing a lot this weekend. Right. So I will hopefully join you again next week and talk about more books. Cool. Excellent. Yeah, no problem. Uh, have we got any news you guys? Um, we have some new stuff, uh, but we're also running low on time, so we should probably pick essential things. Right, um, go. Cool. We're on the topic of tabletop. Yeah, so I guess the the one that has been kind of the most interesting news story for me, at least, is uh, Fantasy Flight's new game, Keyforge, Call of the Archons, um, was announced. It's being made by Richard Garfield, who, you know, has made a bajillion other things. Um, and he is making... he's pitching this as uh, a unique deck game and so it's kind of like it says like it's going to have similar kind of mechanics to you know one of his other popular games uh, Magic the Gathering and um, it's going to have a similar kind of thing of you know using your deck to you know battle against someone else but whereas in that kind of game you would buy booster packs to then build your deck between games or you would trade cards with people or if it was a case of something like um, Fancy Flight's other stuff like uh, their recently deceased Netrunner game um, they would have what they call the living card system which is they would give expansions that were set They were you would always specifically have these cards you weren't getting random chance to get the right cards whatever the way Keyforge works is you buy a deck and that is your deck. It sounds like there's going to be some degree of randomness in that deck, so your deck will be different from everyone else's deck. But you will never change that deck. And I'm both interested in this because I think it sounds like kind of a cool idea and also incredibly cautious about it because there's so many ways for this to go wrong just from the simple standpoint of their their webpage about it it sounds like so there's different races and different factions and stuff like that that will get mashed up to make your unique deck but even something as simple as what if you get a deck that you just don't like <laughs> yeah like never mind if you get one that's like unbalanced and bad or if it's you know missing something that seems like somewhat essential because presumably they're going to do they've done some degree of balancing where there's some degree of like genericness that everything has but even you just get like yours and you have the the faction of stuff you know of alien monster things that you just don't like and you've got a deck of it and the only way to do anything with it is to buy a new deck yeah whereas if it was a if is if this is Magic the Gathering or if this was Yu-Gi-Oh or if this was even, you know, uh, Netrunner, 
you wouldn't buy a new deck. You would swap in cards from if it was Netrunner, you'd buy you'd trade in stuff from the expansions, or if it was, you know, Magic the Gathering or uh, Yu-Gi-Oh or something like that, you'd buy other decks, or you'd buy like specific decks to get the cards from them, or you would buy booster packs to get the cards from that to trade stuff, or you'd trade stuff with your friends and. It's, well, what, yeah. what is to stop you from trading stuff? So the backs of the cards will all have unique markings on them. Um, or a unique combination of mm. these little icons on them. Uh, so your entire deck will have the same unique combination of icons on the back of it. How many unique combinations did they say there were? They claim there's a lot. <laughs> um... <laughs> God, I, there's a lot of zeros in it, this number. It was a big number. Was it's it not 104, and then let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 sets of 3 zeros. So, fuck, I don't know how big a number that is. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a big number. It's a big number. That's how much they claim, how many different decks they claim there will be. So, how, how is that even possible? Yeah. I don't know. The, I don't know. It sounds like so. There's they've got there'll be a a, a selection of um, so the reason they get that, the way they get that number from is there's like you know nine or ten different factions and you will get a combination of those nine or ten different factions. Uh huh. So you're getting you know nine to the power of whatever and then also yeah. there's presumably some degree of variation within that that yeah. can also be unique so you'll be getting blah 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 so if you yeah basically the way they're doing it is you they have like i believe from the looks of their web page there's gonna be seven factions and then you can have like combinations of you know between one and i think judging from the cards on this page it's hard uh-huh. to tell because the page kind of skims through a lot of it it doesn't go into super detail about it um there's like you know combinations of like between like one and three of them, so it, they they could have a lot of variation, and then presumably there's a lot of variation of the actual cards in there as well. So I don't know. I'm interested in it as a concept, but I'm not sold on it because no, yeah, it seems like it's either going to be a case of everyone's decks are super generic and similar to each other, so what's the point? Why not just yeah. ship a deck? Or yeah. it's going to be a case of you could get a deck that you just don't like or is bad I see when it comes to type, these types of games where you know it's deck building and I don't mean Dominion it's you know getting these decks and building them up yeah it's the Magic the Gathering or the Yu-Gi-Oh or yeah, yeah the collectible the collectible card game living card game the, just the card game format yeah it requires quite a lot of buy-in mm-hmm. so you know i have to commit to you know buying and so do you kieran and, and you ben and basically we all have to have a quite a large amount of money spare because to be competitive in it we're going to have to excuse me we're going to have to bring fresh things into it and it's I don't know in these days of board gaming, whereas I can turn around and I can go and I can spend £50 and I can come back with, uh, you know, a big box of terraforming Mars and I can say to you two, right, sit down and 
that's us. That's our afternoon mm. sorted. We can play a couple oh, yeah. of games of that. Absolutely get engrossed, sorted. Happy. And that is, and you know, that's a fraction of what you would have paid for this game. Well, not necessarily for this game. Because yeah. theoretically, this solves that problem. Well, how much? Yeah, but how much are they going to sell these decks for? Well, yeah, ten dollars. So let, let's say it's twenty bucks a deck. It says ten bucks a deck on the. Does it? Link. Yeah, that's not too bad then. And there is also a starter set that gives you tutorial decks, basically, so yeah. you can learn to play the game without. Okay, so you need to buy a tutorial. Hang on a sec. I don't know if you to need buy to buy that. I think that is just for if you want to have a starter thing rather than buy into your unique deck. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. really. It doesn't really explain what what the starter set really is. All of the Archons is. It's yeah. a forty dollar box. It doesn't really. There's no. All right, hey, hang on. So it went from being ten dollars. No, it's forty bucks. Well, the the decks are ten bucks. Okay, but, the but starter set is forty bucks. Yeah. No, nah, I'm out. Just exactly for what I just for the reasons I've just said because I can go and I can spend fifty fifty bucks and get you, you know, terraforming Mars. Uh, I can get something like Scythe. Scythe would be a little bit more, but you know what I'm getting at. I can buy a full board game. I don't need to worry about more. So I want we want to play more. But even then, the expansion it's something that I buy or you buy because it's your game. Not all of us have to buy into this. So looking at what's in the starter set, it's actually yeah. uh, better than it sounds. So it's. The starter set has a bunch of stuff that you don't actually need to play, but just nice kind of components to play with. So it gives you different tokens to keep track of things a bit easier and things like that. Um, okay. And it gives you two set decks, so two like tutorial decks basically that always have yeah. the same cards and then they're not these kind of unique ones. Everyone will get the same two decks for that. But then it also right. includes two unique decks as well. So you, if, right. so if me and you wanted to get into this, for example. It would not be a case if we buy the starter set and then we both buy a deck. We would both have a deck in the starter set. The start we would be yeah. spending, we'd probably be chipping in twenty quid each to get the starter set, right? Okay. Or both spending a tenner each to get yeah just a deck. But then that still brings up the idea of I, I'm questioning that if they are charging this little for a full deck and this full deck is what they are claiming is all you need to play the game, mm-hmm. they are that even more so pushes me to believe that they are intending for you to buy multiple decks when you get a deck that you is a yes. bit of a dud yeah. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's just me being real cynical maybe this is actually just a really good value proposition because they just killed Netrunner because living card games aren't doing super well, most collectible card games not doing super great anymore, Magic had a bit of a resurgence when they started doing their kind of themed uh, sets because people were doing their uh, the thing where you just opened a bunch of decks and made a bunch of cards, made a deck, and then played. Like, yeah, the draft. The drafting. Draft, yeah, yeah. so drafting. That stuff started to die down a little bit again as well now. I, I'd i be very careful saying something like that. I, <laughs> Ma- Magic the Gathering Ma- is, magic is still Magic is still big. I just. Yeah. yeah. I just mean you know, that. I, I don't think that'll ever die. No, Magic will always be massive. I mean, Yu Gi Oh! will yeah. also always sell as well. Yeah. And yeah. whatever. But I mean, there it's not as big as it has been. And it will go through waves. It will probably be bigger than it's ever been again in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things, still one of the biggest stalls that we saw was uh, the, the Yu Gi Oh! stuff. 
Yes, but how many? How busy was it? It was constant. It was constant. They they had an even bigger stall last year, and it just seemed to be dead the entire time. Right. Um, yeah, I. Th- it was constant. There was a constant stream. Uh, there was uh, the Pokemon one uh, trading card. They had yeah, some stuff yeah. there as well. That, that, yeah, that the Pokemon be... stuff actually seems to have been fucking everywhere recently. Yeah. It's interesting as a concept, but I'm not sold on it. Um, if, no. If yeah. it turns out that every one of those decks you get is in fact you know viable and it, it's unlikely you will get something that you'll just actively dislike that sound it's they'd be great it's, but it yeah, seems it's, unlikely it's, yeah sounds highly unlikely yeah so I, i'm interested in the concept uh, i the idea of instead of being like i think in general the thing Fantasy Flight is trying very hard to do is get away from the booster pack, you know, economy that you know drives things like or used to drive things like Magic the Gathering and or not necessarily Magic Gathering, but things like Yu Gi Oh and yeah. Pokemon and stuff I, like that. Yeah. And even now, like uh, the Pokemon trading card game largely comes in these big boxes with set cards. They don't. Yeah. You still can get the booster packs and stuff, I believe, but it's not the focus anymore. Everyone's trying yeah. to move away from that, and this seems like trying to move the core concept of the game away from that. Which, yeah, I think yeah. if you have a look at they've got at the moment in terms of card games, they, you know, the, the living card game format does very well for them. So they've got the the Arkham Horror, yeah, uh, yeah. living card game that is on to I think it's third, it, it's third story mm-hmm. chapter. Uh, and what they do is they bring a, a big expansion that costs like 30 quid. That's the starter. It brings it introduces you more heroes, and more equipment cards and things, and then it's the, the story packs, and they do, I think, six of those. Yeah. Uh, and those go for 15 quid each as well. Uh, and they're making very good money off those as well. It's yeah. brought a resurgence in the the Lord of the Rings one. The Lord yeah. of the Rings one kind of cooperative and story as well mm-hmm. the ones that have not doing as well was the the living card games which were competitive so the the game of thrones living card game i think they rebooted that a couple of times i think that's kind of died a death and the star wars one is still kicking about but it's not doing very well yeah and then Netrunner so, is dying but i think that's more of a licensing thing than a that yeah that's I believe at least. Um, yeah, and I believe Legend of the Five Rings is doing well as well. They just rebooted well, that yeah, recently, they, but yeah, they just bought that. They acquired the license from EEG. Yeah, correctly. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm, I'm yeah. not sold on the concept, but if if it works, that'd be pretty cool. But I'm incredibly skeptical. Yes. Yeah. I'm. I'm with you there. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you got? Uh, that was the only one I had. <laughs> yeah. Cool, fair enough. Uh, if nobody has got anything else then, shall we quickly run through uh, new releases for next week? Yeah. Yes. That's not a good idea. So, uh, a couple of things coming out for weekending the 10th or the 8th. We have Overcooked 2 coming uh, for PS4, Xbox One and Switch on the 7th of August. I have that pre-ordered on the Switch. 
Yeah, I've, I've played a little bit of it. I don't know whether I'll pre-order it. I might probably pick it up at one point, but I don't mm. think... It seems like it's know. very much like the first game, but expanded and with multiplayer, yes. uh, with online yeah. multiplayer, which is kind of oh, the selling uh, thing yeah. for me. Right. Um, because right now, it's really good as a local multiplayer game, but it's hard to get people to play it. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've only got two other things listed here. I've got Madden NFL 19. Uh, that that's right? Well, it comes out on the 10th of August. That'll be out for the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, PlayStation 3, the 360, and PC. Or you can play it now if you buy the premium tier of EA's vault thing. Oh, oh fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is now on PC. I, you can get Origin I, Premiere. Why would I play my sports games on the PC? I don't know. <laughs> Well, you wouldn't, for starters. You would specifically play yeah. Madden because that's the one sports game that comes to PC. <laughs> like, I th- actually, I think FIFA might now as well, but NHL has never and things like that. Yeah. This. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I downloaded the the demo, NHL. What are we? Eighteen or nineteen? Uh, nineteen. Nineteen. 19 yeah. The other day, and the demo was twenty-two gigabytes. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And uh, one more thing listed uh, for the 10th, and that is coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC from Gearbox Publishing. It's We Happy Few. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm a little bit stoked for this because I bought the, what was it? The Xbox called it. Basically, the the early version. Uh, I picked that up, and it was v- just a shell of a game. So I'm curious to see this completed, finished product. Well, when Gearbox bought it or uh, picked it up for publishing, they basically revamped the whole thing. Like it's not that early yeah. access thing was a survival game, and that is apparently still a mode that's going to ship in it, but. The main game now apparently is much more story heavy, Bioshock like thing. Yes. Kind of like what that initial trailer made us all think it was going to be. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So I believe bought the early access to get this full version of the game. Uh yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So yeah. Um I would no, I'll definitely be checking that out at one point and report back to you and let you know. Cool. Is there anything else we've forgotten to talk about or add? Um, I will just give a wee promo if that's okay. Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I I was just going to say to come and check out uh, me on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash Mister Over Eight. My wife and kids are away this week, so I will be playing a lot of games <laughs> and streaming a lot. Nice. Um, I picked up This Is The Police 2 the other day. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, we played, played a ton of that this week. Played some Elite Dangerous as well. Um, and I'll probably talk about This Is The Police 2 next week. Awesome. Cool. We should try to get Paul in for that, because he was the one that really liked the first one. Yes, um, yeah, he... Uh... I bought it on his recommendation and went, oh, yeah, it's all. <laughs> yeah, I can see why Paul would like it, yeah. 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 
So, cool. With that, I think the only thing left to do is thank you all for listening. And if you want to send us an email with uh, comments, complaints, suggestions, you can do so. You can send us an email to podcast at glitchrygaming.com. If you have a game you want us to have a look at, a review or something like that, anything to do that way, you can send us an email to inquiries at glitchrygaming.com. You can also find us on Twitter at glitchrygame. You can search for us on Facebook. Just search for glitchy gaming and of course don't forget to check out our website www.glitchyfreegaming.com where ben has lots of lovely content i think we've still got quite a few things coming up so check yeah. back there as well and it's also a your starting point to get a co- uh, episode of the podcast and then you can subscribe to there but why am i telling you to listen to the podcast <laughs> when you're already listening yeah, listen. to it yep um there's also our Discord as well, which I think is there's a link to that on the website. Yeah, and our yes, YouTube. And I was going to say there's the thing I forget and keep <laughs> plugs, and that is the YouTube. Yeah, which is glitch, uh, glitch free game. It's youtube.com forward slash user slash free glitch free game. Oh, is it glitch free game? It's glitch free game, not glitch free gaming. It is indeed. Um, yes. Yeah. Which is yeah, hasn't been updated in a while, but. No. <laughs> Go watch my Northgard review from a couple of months ago. It's still there. Yep. I haven't Good. taken it down. <laughs> Excellent. In that case, we will thank you very much for listening to our drivel. We will see you again next week. Uh, any final thoughts before we go? Don't buy yeah. Pokken. Don't buy Pokken. Don't buy email. That too. And and don't buy Jurassic Park. Yeah. Don't buy Mega Man X Legacy Collection 2. They made a bundle that has four of the worst Mega Man games in it. And we're like, this is a thing people will buy. It's like, no. <laughs> Hopefully next week we'll have some recommendations. Yeah, thanks to actually buy. Yeah. yeah, but until then, don't buy any crap. We'll see you later. <laughs> Save your bennies. Goodbye. <laughs>